previously on Martini John. There was always that radio. This is Bob Cuccioli of Penthouse Magazine in the March issue 1978 of Penthouse Magazine. We're going to explore sports and, uh, and as well as the beautiful. And it was always this Guccione ad, and he was always very close to the microphone. Oh, that's very So you hear that, like the FM radio, like, oh, this is Bob Guccione. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> you could feel the, the grease come out of yeah, like he the is a, he's a radio. Galore. Girls what happened cocaine. to Omni Magazine? Is that still around? That went under yeah, that's with gone, Guccione Enterprises yep. out of Buffalo, New York. <laughs> Come and read the latest yeah, space stories by Nopley Magazine. It's Bob Gianni. As well as see two girls from Britain getting naked. <laughs> see lots of robots and deep thought about science. That's really lovely. <clears throat> as some girls, as well as some girls I slept with. Because he slept with all the girls when he shot them. That's magnificent. What a charming That's why guy. you see him there with yeah. the camera. Yeah, <laughs> that was the Guccione magic. <laughs> It's like in the 70s, going out to your mailbox and getting Penthouse and Omni subscription all at once. <laughs> Come and see the most amazing and science you've ever seen. Science and breasts. You can get it big. Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 49, which is the 2007 film by Julian Schnabel, the American painter and a filmmaker who made The Diving Bell and The Butterfly, or as the French title is, Le Scaphandre et le Papillon, which is a autobiography about Jean-Dominique Bobby, who was an editor at Elle magazine, and who suffered a uh, massive stroke uh, and left him almost completely paralyzed and somehow was still able to uh, write a autobiography, which is uh, the basis of this movie. Uh, quite amazing film and quite really beautiful. Uh, this is one of the more serious films that we've done, uh, honestly speaking, and quite interesting to talk about. Um, I will tell you this. I know I make excuses for this every time. It takes us forever to really dig into the movie because we keep you know, talking about other things. Uh, but uh, no one seems to mind, uh, especially our fans of Martini Giant, that you know we can go 40 minutes before we even really start talking deeply about the movie. We talk about everything around the movie. Uh, so I think uh, you guys are going to be okay with that. You guys are used to the three-hour podcasts. Uh, this one takes us a little longer to get going in terms of the actual movie. In terms of what's important to talk about, I think it's definitely there. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I love hanging out with uh, with Eric and Dan and, and recording these conversations. Uh, we have since uh, solved so, several of our audio problems that we've had since COVID, uh, and it's getting better and better. Uh, so I really appreciate that. Which brings me to the next point. Uh, we are actually going to try some experimenting, and it's going to take us a little bit of trial and error. But we're actually thinking about putting some of these podcasts uh, as live Twitches. Uh, on Twitch. And we'd be curious to find out if you guys are into uh, the Twitch thing and hearing us on Twitch and what you'd like to hear us talk about and, and when. So uh, if you are listening to this and uh, you're generally probably a good uh, Martini Giant fan, we would love to hear from you on our social networks or on our emails or wherever. And let us know if that sounds like a good idea and if you guys would like to follow us, follow along and be on Twitch with us as we're doing it. We actually have a way to watch a movie and do our commentary as we're going uh, while we're doing it. So it could be fun to do that. And I would love to hear from you. So go ahead and do that. You know where to reach us. Uh, our Twitter is martini at Martini Giant. Uh, our Facebook is facebook.com slash Martini Giant. 
Our Instagram is uh, at martini underscore giant. And of course, you can always email us, which is podcast at martinigiant.com. And that's it. Uh, Anyway, much more uh, cool podcasts to come. Uh, We're very excited about uh, the upcoming episodes as well. I really like this movie and I really want to thank, I think it was Dan. I think it was Dan's suggestion uh, on this movie. So really good one. Anyway, on to it. The Butterfly, sorry, (laughs) The Diving Bell and the Butterfly by Julian Schnabel. Hey, I was just showing this to Eric. This is what I, I got today. Oh, look at that. That's a fish and a half. Yeah. Cut that in the surf. And it's pretty exciting. I did all the right things. I um, I was with Al, and uh, he would he had taught me this trick where you can, if the if you're having a hard time finding the fish, you can look for when the wave recedes, you can look for the divots in the sand where the fish had munched for crabs. And so I found three divots, and I was like, they, they've got to be here. And so I started casting out. And then I saw the fish, and I, I, I literally sight cast for the fish, and the fish took the fly. So it was like amazing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's like Red Dead Redemption too. Yeah, it's like it's it's like <laughs> it's right there. It's the fish is right there. And then uh, yeah, I caught it, and it was pretty exciting. That is exciting. Fly, fly fishing yeah, for right. something like that is kind of like it's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, that's pretty uh, cool. that's pretty great. That was a like obviously the audience can't uh, see that, but that is an impressive fish. Yeah. Yeah, the Corbina. And Al, Al uh, uh, finished his book. He said he's he's wrapped up with the book, uh-huh. which is uh, the Corbina Diaries, which is what he's writing about. That's awesome. And uh, he uh, he is including a picture of Brady and I in the book. <laughs> oh, that's very sweet. Yeah. So. Who's going to play you in the movie when you meet the uh, Hollywood producer? No, when we, make the, when we make the movie <laughs> version of this, we have to find, you know, it's going to be, you know, like Brad Pitt or something like that. So Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, no, I think if you get, uh, maybe, um, uh, Villeneuve to direct, then yes. you got a, um, intense picture in your hands. You got a good picture. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good picture. How you doing, Eric? I'm well. Yeah. 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 Good. Good, good, good. Um, so you, you glad we got through a schnabel film? Yeah. I love schnabel films. <laughs> the schnobs as we call them here the in sh- MG. <laughs> the schnobs. <laughs> So schnobby. <laughs> did you did you like it, Chris? Um, well, I'll tell you, it's interesting. I was apprehensive to watch it, not because I don't want to, because I was, you know, I do want to see a, a, a schnobble film, but I was apprehensive to watch it because, um, I I currently just before watching, it, I've been experiencing some levels of anxiety oh, <laughs> based on our current. Uh, situation of isolation so this film felt like it may uh it may either try to get it out of me by just putting it out there and letting me have an emotional release or just create more anxiety (laughs) so i didn't quite know how it's going to react to it but i did kind of wait till the last minute to to watch it uh and i'm okay uh saying i'll just say that but i was i came very close to calling you guys and saying can we just do a comedy yeah (laughs) i was like i was like i wasn't ready for this so (laughs) can we do something a little bit less uh, anxiety producing like maybe uh the room or uh you know buried (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, it was a little bit uh yeah this was your choice right dan 
It was, yeah. No, I'm a big fan of this movie. It's a very good movie. The movie that we're talking about, everybody, is The Diving Bell in the and the Butterfly. Yes. And uh and it is uh the it's based on a uh true story. Um about a uh the editor of uh, a French L and uh, who had a stroke, a massive stroke that left him completely paralyzed except for his eyes and one uh, one eye, one eye. And, um, and he wrote about his experiences um, in the book, the diving bell and the butterfly uh, by blinking the text uh, to someone who is uh, taking that dictation. And uh, it's, I mean, it's startling that, 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 that was even possible. Um, But they made it into a tremendously well uh, received and well-made movie uh, by Julian Schnabel, a former artist. So an artist. You know what? The book is, I love the book. If he, they had that much time for him to go one letter at a time while she recites all the letters in the alphabet in terms of their uses to do what they need to do. And he acknowledges yes and no. Mm-hmm. Couldn't they have just fucking taught him Morse code and been done with it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's seriously, like part of me just like, this is ridiculous. It's uh, painstaking. And it's interesting how they do I mean, it in I the could... movie because like they make it into almost a mantra in the film. When I know. They start, because uh, I mean, initially it's very, like it's uh, like it's very difficult to, to go yeah, just, through, and by the end they're saying many, many, many times. It's just part of the conversation, right? So basically, they they recite the alphabet to him, but the alphabet's order is in the order of which the letters appear more frequently in the French language, right? And so, so that O-U-T, they can U T that kind of stuff. E, yeah, E is yeah. the yeah. most frequent e, one. Right. E and blah, 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 blah. and then so he acknowledges when they hit the letter that he wants to talk about, but it takes mm-hmm. forever. It's yeah. quite a, uh, it's quite a slow Which system. is part of the, I know that's part of the thing, right? <laughs> but, and this is a true story. Yeah. Yeah. But Morse code would have made a lot more freaking sense. <laughs> that's have true. any of you guys read the book? I have not read the book. The book was great, you say. I loved it. And I remember, believe it or not, I, it was a small book and I got the book and I was actually went out to Montauk with my father and brother in the nineties. And they said, let's go tuna fishing. I don't know, some sort of big fish fishing. So I joined them mm-hmm. and I had the book and I didn't want to fish. So I sat like Roy Scheider in the back or in the shaded area <laughs> right. while they sat in chairs, you know, with the right. fishing mm-hmm. off of Montauk. And I read the book. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So every time I think of it, I just think of, you know, like sitting, Montauk. yeah, Montauk. and I'm on the boat, on the boat, and you can blow through it really fast. And did you? It, it's beautiful. Did you know? Uh, like when when the movie came out, where you you were you already uh, worked in the uh, periphery of Schnabel's life, yeah? Yes, and he lived down the street when yeah. I'm my in the West Village. I've been to his place because we shot there for the addiction. Right. So right. yeah, and Abel but, Ferrara film for people that are listening. But I. I like him as a filmmaker more than a painter. Yeah, I agree. I, I, and, I completely um, think he's a marvelous filmmaker. Really, he was. I, I think he was and born this to film do it. is my favorite. Uh, I love Basquiat. I love mm-hmm. Four Night Falls. But mm-hmm. there's a quality to even the opening titles and the fonts and just the ice melting 
That's beautiful. They're like That's his beautiful. paintings. I don't know if you've ever seen his paintings, but they have this kind of collaged kind mm -hmm. of uh, the tones and the color quality on his big canvases. They just match that. So I was like, wow, that's a perfect kind of. Yeah, the yeah, uh, like I love the like the uh, the visual the metaphor of the um, the calving iceberg is spectacular. Is it called calving? Calving, yeah. When when icebergs essentially, it's like having little iceberg children. So it's it's having calves. I think that's the etymology of that. I'm not I'm not sure, but I mean, like it's when they're they're collapsing. Yeah, they're the collapsing. sides are collapsing. Right. Yeah, and uh, and so you see these uh, like these enormous walls of ice just completely breaking down and plunging into the ocean. Uh, and this is uh, part of the opening and closing sequence of the film, and uh, and it's it's obviously done by a, an artist who's thought about this, like what this means, how it looks, and uh, it immediately ropes you into this um, very unique perspective that uh, lasts through the entire picture. Like it's the most like because I'm also a giant fan of um, Before Night Falls. Before Night Falls is amazing. Um, but not even that is quite as uh, visually stunning. Vis it's just like it's so. This is so focused, and not even the literal way. Of, like m much of the film is shot through his point of view of um, uh, uh, the uh, the guy who's paralyzed, and so you're just seeing first person cam like at least fifty percent of the time in that film. Um, but it maintains that aesthetic even when it leaves that point of view. And it's yeah. really really amazing. Yeah. So so. Uh, that is something that was very interesting to me is that it it's very first point of view mm -hmm. right it's the whole thing like the beginning especially right someone yeah. something so um in fact it opens up with him in the in the in the hospital waking up from a coma yep so if you hadn't even seen the trailer or anything else you're like what okay what's going on what's going right. on yeah and it is it's they do a very good job of making it very they treat the the footage you know by double vision and swimmy and vignette mm -hmm. and out of focus and focus or f having trouble focusing all all that stuff the audio is well treated it's all pretty pretty good i i did have a problem with the dialogue or mm -hmm. monologue even it felt i mean even in in french it felt simplistic Oh, it's very, it's very like it's very, like, very simple. I agree with that. Is that from the book, Eric? Do you know if that's like because the book, yeah, the, like the book yeah. is, yeah. you know, he dictated it, yeah, right. But if I, if I'm there, there's parts of the book that they read as part of the story because the story is about him writing the book, right? Yes. And so when you hear them reading passages from the book, and he he gives them, it felt much better. Like you it feels, feels like a coherent thought, right? Whereas yeah. like the way that the rest of the, and like, I suppose this is where I, I both agree with you, but I, I, I like what it's doing is that like, it doesn't sound like narration so much as it sounds like this are just thoughts that are appearing in his mind. Like that it's not there to do anything else except to sort of be, be there. Like here's an, here's a thought that occurs to him and it's not really connected and it's very simplistic. Mm. So it, it doesn't really serve the same sort of narrative, but some of the rest of it does. And I agree that it can be a little, like it's not the most smooth way to have done it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, but they did a really good job with the characters, the, 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 the people around him, like yeah. the doctors were like, what an asshole. Like, Oh yeah. The doctors yeah. were assholes. <laughs> yeah. Sure. 
Yeah. And, and he's not, he's not a super likable character either. You know, no. he's, he's a little bit distant and, you know, he's obviously got a sort of like a fucked up family life that he, right. Sort of a selfish dude. And he's you know, a selfish like, guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's what makes it interesting to me is like, if this had, if it had been uh, a purely heroic, like suffering saint movie that I, I don't have, like that can be good, but I don't have a lot of patience for that, you know, as an experience. Well, I mean, it couldn't do that, right? It's, but it has to be a situation where like someone who has it all like him, editor at L magazine, you know, life with models, fast right. cars, yeah, exactly, know, et cetera. <laughs> right. Hot chicks, right. blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly like he loses it all and has to, you know, appreciate the finer things in his life. Right. Right. Including his ex-wife and kids right yep um and his ex-wife that's that's a very interesting part of that whole story mm -hmm. with his ex-wife yeah 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 she what was, made you um, choose that dad uh well partly because it's i mean in the way that chris felt anxiety about it like i was saying it's like there's like I, it's gonna come across as really flip and i don't mean it to be flip but it's just sort of like this is the perfect you know, shut in movie for COVID. <laughs> you know, it's like the, it is the, it uh, represents a certain kind of like, uh, like when your life, your normal life is stripped away. Like you really have to, you have no choice, but to focus down to what is actually important to you. And, uh, and I think that like, I, I was thinking about this movie just in terms of talking to people about both their COVID experience in their daily life, but also in terms of like, artists going through the same thing. And uh, like, I know a lot of people, uh, including myself that like, it's, you know, that it, it's been a time of, um, examination, self-examination of what we want to be doing and what you really enjoy and what you really care about. And obviously this movie is very specific about that. And it's a very poignant, you know, tragic event that happened to this dude. Uh, and uh, by for most people that are going through COVID, it's not that, but it has the same effect. And I think there's a sort of like there's something that rhymed with it for me, and uh, in a couple of different ways. And I really like where the movie ends up in that fight. Um, instead of playing, instead of taking a very uh, wrenching emotional point of view, the movie sort of begins with the wrenching emotional point of view and ends up in a very calm space because the guy practices the art that he needs to practice. And mm. it's a, and it's a different experience for this kind of movie. Cause usually they sort of like the play up the tear jerky aspects um, at the end of the movie. And this doesn't really do that. And I think that like, that's also been my personal experience in uh, uh, coming to terms with the stuff that I love to do, I guess. And which has Explain. been focused through what do you mean the stuff you love to do. Like I've been taking a lot of, like, I mean, I make, uh, I write and I, uh, make short films and like things that are really important to me actually, as opposed to like, I love the work that I do. You know, I like VFX and I love the people I work with and that kind of jazz. Uh, but the more and more time that I've had to myself and to hang with my family and talk about important stuff, um, the more I feel compelled to, uh, get back into the arts, arts that I love in my free time. And mm. coincidentally, I also have much more free time and, um, and I have spent a lot of my time uh, working in visual effects, 
sort of being in pain about how I don't get the time to create stuff myself, right? And this experience has sort of stripped that story away from me. And yeah, uh, and you don't really have an excuse. anymore. Exactly, exactly. And uh, I think that that's the real that's what this movie is sort of power is very powerful to me in terms of like, how his relationships change how his relationship to what he cares about and how he wants to express himself changes and how he just has to get more honest with himself. Right. And, uh, and when you become more honest with yourself, I think you become more free uh, to enjoy and uh, express your love for the things that you love, both the people in your life and the art you like to practice, whatever that may be. So that's, that's where this came from. And I was just like, when rewatching it, I felt it even more strongly. I was like, yeah, this is, this this movie I haven't seen in a while, but there's a reason why I thought of it. But I mean that's a that's a I don't want to sound flip, but that's a common story, right? Someone has a disability and then decides to do the thing that they thought was impossible for them to do, right? Sure. Right. right? So you know the guy who loses his legs and then runs across Canada, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, right. You know what right, I mean? Right. So so like that's not a it's not an uncommon story, and that's a good story. It's a good inspiring story, and it makes you want to do things. And you're right that we need to be reminded to take advantage of the things we have. I certainly feel that way, mm -hmm. right? I, I'm able to do my work from home mm -hmm. like 95%, if not more. Yep. You know what I mean? Uh, in fact, I would say Whatever I've lost, the the 5% I've lost, I've regained in terms of just time in the day. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, dude, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean you dealt with worse like, traffic, yeah. yeah. Like, like, like literally, you know, like I was working, I was doing like four and a half, five hours of commuting during the yeah, day back and forth. And I'm just like, this is ruinous. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, uh, it's, you know, I get up in the morning, the kids are asleep and I come home at night and the kids are asleep and I only get to see them on the weekend and I was fucking tired out of my mind. Right. And like, that's just not a way to experience things you know yeah so yeah i heard google said that they're going to have their staff work from home until july 2020 2021, 2021 yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well I, I i think this is a like and i've been i mean I'm talking to all, yeah 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 and i think that like there's a there's something to learn from this mess about you know throwing out some of the preconceptions we have about how we do stuff right and uh and oh, what's important or what's important Exactly. Yeah. Because like the, like, the, like we really need to like, what's more important is to maintain, maintain the things that are important, you right. know, like, and it's like, I'm a better worker when I get to hang out with my kids, you know, yeah, I, it's I weird. May, yeah. If you, well, our kids are, are older, all of our kids. And I mean, mm -hmm. none of us have like a three-year-old or a two-year-old right. at the house. That would be significantly harder, right. I think for, for us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I see our neighbors, they have a five-year-old and a two-year-old and I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, that's gonna lot, you know it's gonna be hard, but uh, I don't know. I think there's something about it that, um, yeah, I there's something about the, the fact that it's it's working. I think it's harder on the kids, honestly speaking. Oh yeah, without a doubt, they're having a hard time trying to you know figure out how to hang out with their friends or do whatever. You know, yep. they used to have activities that yep. they don't now. So yeah, and that's really hard on them. And yeah, I think that people are like, like, no, like things are, things are changing about how people interact and, uh, and we have yet to, uh, try to 
codify those successfully. Like, like the, yeah. the like the school from home thing. Well, at least this last go around, like, just like this is not. I mean, like, there's parts that are working, and there's stuff that's interesting that mm-hmm. we could learn from. Uh, but as soon as it started talking about, okay, let's get back to school, which we're not, you know, like it's still closed out here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, everyone's like, okay, so let's return to regular school. And I'm like, but wait, <laughs> you know, like. Haven't you learned a thing? <laughs> exactly. Right. And uh, like, I, th- I don't think we should be quite as anxious to, you know, revert to the old world uh, no. when we've learned a lot of positive things. I'm terrible, like, terrible reason to learn it, but. Yeah. I think that there's opportunities for change. Well, also keep in mind that we live in California, right? Mm-hmm. So we're dredging this out much longer than the rest of the world. This is very true. With, right. Very true. So if you live in Germany, life is pretty much back to normal there. Yeah. Right. Is it I've really? Heard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or like New Zealand has zero cases or whatever yeah, it is. You yeah, know, yeah. Like there's plenty of places in the world that don't have to work. The, the problem is the world is still porous, right? But I don't think many people are traveling as much as they used to, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, Yep. My sister lives in, 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 in Belgium and she just went on vacation in Greece. And like she got on a plane, went to Greece, went on vacation. What? Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> God, that's, that's freaking me out. <laughs> you know I mean? I, to me, it just seems like impossible. Like there would know where I, I would do that. But yeah, she's hanging out. She's visiting friends. They're going out to restaurants in Athens and right. islands. And Sounds great. That's Sounds amazing. crazy. I wouldn't do that right yeah. now. I, I don't know. I don't know how it is over there. That's I mean, awkward. it's very different. I mean, from, I, you know, I get nervous leaving my house to go fishing, but I, I, I do it. <laughs> well, at least you're going to a pretty empty. It's like, completely empty. Place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and if the fish aren't wearing masks, I think that's probably fine. <laughs> yeah. Here, I'll, I'll show you this. What was the, uh, the picture today? What if there's like a whole new strain of Corbina COVID? It's like, what? Corbina. <laughs> Wait. This, this is what the, the beach looked like what? this morning to me. Oh, look at that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful out there. It's just like empty. Yeah. And the sun rising. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was it was amazing. I'll make sure not to say any of the details of that photo out loud so you keep that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our awful. secret fishing spot, yeah. Al and I. Yeah. We're not allowed to talk about it. But the, the giant striped <laughs> lighthouse was a giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny it's yeah. funny you were talking about it so so i'm on this uh i'm on this uh al now invited me to this zoom call so he does on on uh fridays at 7 a.m with a bunch of the fly fishing guys around and they were talking and no about girls there is no girls but we do he does he does know a lot several girl fishermen but they're not on the call i guess sometimes anyway these are all, these guys are, some of them are like, you know, in their seventies and eighties. Uh, but they're, Al was talking about, you know, he's from, from Brooklyn and he used mm-hmm. to go fishing the Red same Hook. place where you no Yeah. Uh, Montauk where you, where you were t- oh, reading the really? book. Yeah. For striped bass, for stripers. Uh, there's a lighthouse out there, right? At the, yeah. Yeah. So that's, he said, he's talking about the lighthouse at Montauk and then you go off and apparently these guys, uh, back you know, it was one of the most dangerous fishing. There's a DVDs about it. Some of the most dangerous fishing people do is what they do, is they get they ha- they get into wetsuits. <laughs> what? They get into wetsuits and they swim at night, 
and oh swim God. out to the rocks so they can get up on the rocks and fish from the rocks for these stripers. This is like a okay. This is an obsession now. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and it's and it's really those rocks are like the fake rock barge that was in Jaws two that they came uh, to. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they're, it's really dangerous. <laughs> like they're, they're wearing, because the, the surf is so strong out there, they're wearing crash helmets in case the wave knocks them over into the rocks while they're oh fishing. Th I mean, that is insane. Wetsuited, motorcycle helmeted fly fishermen. Yep. But yeah. yeah, except they're not, then, then they weren't always using wetsuit. They're using big plugs and stuff like that. So they're using, they're using, uh, yeah, spinning. They're using yeah. They they have diving bells and they go out there. Oh, it's crazy <laughs> the way we're talking about it. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> he, he was talking about about the thing. It's, and apparently there was a guy who went out who wanted to catch all these different fish, and he was talking about how uh, specifically at uh, that lighthouse, that lighthouse in Montauk is like the pinnacle thing to catch a striper on the beach and take a picture of the fish with a lighthouse behind you, like. His buddy wanted to do that, <laughs> and, and he says it's just kind of like it's. What happened is you wait for the tide to come in, and then the fish start coming around the corner, around the around the bend. You know when they're coming, and then, then it's he says it's it's like a shit show. Like everyone starts throwing their lures out, and it's just. And they're, they're just everything, just hitting everything, and just like it just goes into total chaos because of that one moment when there's tons of fish that you can catch, and it's like apparently it's just a shit show. Oh my but God. his buddy caught caught the fish while everyone's flowing it. He got the pictures. It's like, let's just get the fuck out of here. Creepers, creepers, man. That's yeah, but that's that Montauk Striper Lighthouse. Like that's the picture you want. <laughs> Motorcycle helmet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you need. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm picturing basically evil Knievel in a wetsuit holding up a giant fish. Because <laughs> these things get up like some of those 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 stripers are like 40, 50 pounds. Yeah, you know, a, they're it's big, fish. big fish. It's yeah. big fish. You look at, I, I did catch a striper. Guess where I caught a striper? No, Your yeah. neck of the woods at Cape Cod. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. God bless yeah. the Cape. Man, yeah. man. I miss that giant. Yeah. Mm. I had a, uh, yeah, basically I had a, a friend of mine. Um, and, uh, his parents lived in the capes in the Cape. And, uh, so we were, he says, I'm going to go up there for the weekend. You want to go hang out at my parents' house in the Cape? I said, sure. I said, I want to go fishing. He says, all right. So I had my fishing stuff with me. And, uh, so he said, and we got to his parents' house like late at night because it, Henry's, Henry's very disorganized, but anyway, <laughs> he gets there. So it's like two o'clock in the morning or one o'clock in the morning. We get there. It's like, well, I'm going to get up and like, you know, three, four hours to go fishing at sunrise. He goes, all right, all right. And he goes, here's what you do. And he says, and I, it's like, I didn't know what I was fishing for. I'd never fished in the Cape. I was like, I just wanted to go fishing. Okay. He goes, all right, here. And he gets, hands me this giant wooden lure, which is a, a plug, a popping plug. Mm -hmm. And I've never fished anything like that before because when I was fishing redfish in Texas, it was very different. And he goes, so you walk down the beach here until you get to that point, and then you'll take this big lure and you'll just toss it out there and just pop it on top of the water. And I say, this is a big chunk of wood with some treble hooks in it. You, this is really going to catch fish? I had no idea. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. like, yeah, yeah, just, just give it a try. It's like, I don't fish, but that's what my dad does all the time. I was like, all right. 
And so I, t- I took his dad's old lure and I just like go to the point and I start t- popping out on top of where I was like, this, oh, this is going to work. Maybe I should try something else. And suddenly I see this huge mouth just come out of the water and go, bam. Right. And then my just like jaw takes off. I was like, oh my gosh. And yeah. And it was about a 30 inch striped fish. <laughs> striped yeah, that's, wow. yeah. That's, that's the Cape Cod way right there. This is yeah. an arm from a barca lounger with some coat hangers sticking out of it. Is that going to work? <laughs> yeah, it's going to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. I mean, it's like Jesus. It's like it like it was like split. It was an old lure. It's got it. It must have been like fifty years old. It had splinters in it. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's splinters is what really catches. And it, you know, it. and you imagine like it was painted, but the most of the paint had rubbed off. You know, so right, like right. It had just that, chipped away. You can barely yeah. see the, the fisherman yeah. on. It. Yeah, no, it's. I, I gotta get the vibe. I definitely get the vibe. I made this yeah. plopping sound across the water. I was like, yep. drag it, plop, 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 plop. Yeah, no, Cape Cape's a good place. Cape's a good place for sure. I was when I was growing up there, I was terrified of uh, everything. I was terrified of going to the water just because of Jaws. And, oh right! Uh, yeah. And uh, when I was a little kid, and um, <clears throat> and uh, now it has turned into actually Jaws. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. In my hometown, yeah, where it's like the uh, we have a, we had sort of like a little sort of um, uh, bay, right? But there, it was protected by a long strip of sand a long bar but that got broken through by a hurricane and once that happened all these um uh seals came in to the bay to uh uh eat fish there and once the seals got in there the sharks were like oh let's go eat seals and so right. now uh the oh, wait inside the cape is yeah, there, there it, sharks oh yeah even chatham and uh, wow yeah, and uh and uh and, and like there's it's like a shark festival there now it's like literally hundreds and hundreds of sharks there you must not go swimming it's terrible maine has got a big problem now too yeah, yeah it's really and they're all great whites right yeah <laughs> well, nice did you see that they just uh got a or they there's a up on the up on the Facebooks, I saw a video of a 20 plus foot great white shark that someone was swimming with. Yeah. I was stunned. Was have you seen, have looking. you seen saving sharks or saving jaws? No, no, I have not. So that's, a, I think it's a Netflix documentary. It's called saving jaws. And it's about someone who's basically trying to demystify this whole sharks are dangerous. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's okay. So it's interesting, right? I'll just give you a little synopsis of it. It's basically like stop killing sharks. Mainly, (laughs) mainly it's about the shark fin soup community. And uh, they, I think they kill like 20,000 sharks a day. It's like ridiculous. Just for their fins. In Asia. It's idiotic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. And they go, they, they go on the tours. They walk down the streets in Hong Kong and places like that. And there's stores that just basically sell these dried shark fins and they sell you see they have shark fins of like whale sharks and other big sharks and it's just horrible 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 and there's just bags and bags and bags of of dried uh shark fins and it's just really bad yeah um so the the star of this documentary is this woman who swims with these sharks and she swims with all the leopard sharks and not leopard sharks, the tiger sharks and the great whites. And she gets up close and touches them and all this stuff. Right. But she's also a model. (laughs) Of course. So she's super hot girl in like this, you know, cool looking wetsuit thing. And she's, she's very calm and it's very cool. And I really like what she's doing and the effort she's doing, but 
this is really about the photography of this yeah this beautiful is their, this woman is the show sharks. that they're actually selling right <laughs> yes exactly and and it yeah. listen if that's what the if, and that's good that's if that's what, what it takes sure. to bring people attention it's good right. the docu the documentary is not bad i got to say the photography is gorgeous and the message is very clear um and Hot what chick they should be wearing wetsuit yeah and yeah. motorcycle helmets on montauk holding yeah. a fish yeah, yeah clearly yeah. <laughs> so um and it's i mean it's very yeah it's very it's very good it's very good um is she a doctor or is no, a, a researcher no they i don't know she's she's definitely she's a no she's not i don't think and thing but is she that, does, like, but they're going out with doctors all the time they're part of the effort like it's a document it's sure. a documentary crew it's really what it is what's it well, called? Like saving jaws Saving Jaws, I think. Because, like, people, you know, fairly rightly blame the wonderful movie Jaws for uh, causing people to be panicked about Shark. Because really, right. I want to modify that. I don't think it's Jaws. I think it was uh, Jaws the Revenge. Because I wasn't, like, it wasn't until I learned that sharks would vengefully follow you down to the Caribbean to right. murder you. That's yes, when sir. I became very afraid. The third one. Like, <laughs> the fourth one, actually. The Michael Caine. <laughs> The third one's terrible, but in in a very entertaining 3D Dennis Quaid. Is that Quaid, with Michael Caine? Yeah. Uh, yes, fourth one is Michael Caine, and it is yeah. uh, it is astonishing. That's the one. Uh, that is the one where he apologizes. He uh, someone asked him. This is my favorite Michael Caine quote of all time. Someone said, "So uh, you famously um, were not uh, there to receive your Academy Award because you were filming Jaws four, uh, which got." horrible 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 reviews did you ever did you ever end up seeing jaws 4 and he goes you know i never have but i have seen the house it bought me and it's marvelous (laughs) 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 that is a pro actor right there my man he knows he knows how to do it he knows how to do it michael kane michael kane my favorite I love that dude. That guy, you can bring him to any film at all, and he does exactly as good a job as he always does. Like yeah. he never, he's never including, on the back including, foot. Including uh, Austin Powers when he was played dead in Austin Powers. But you know what? The other actor like that is Max Van Sydow, who's in our movie. Who is in our movie and is wonderful and speaks French, which I didn't know that he could he, do. Well, yes, he does speak French. It's pretty good. I'll just passable. say he speaks French. Yeah, he speaks French. To someone who doesn't speak French, it sounds like he knows how to speak French. Yes. As opposed to, there are plenty of actors I've seen supposedly speak French, and it's obviously uh, phonetic. <laughs> like, this guy actually is relatively convincing the and act- best, accurate. The best non-French speaker sp- speaking not French or s- doing his thing mm-hmm. uh, is, oh, what's the name of the movie? Um Oh shit! Who is who is in when Harry met Sally? Was the girl Meg? Uh, what what was the actress's name? Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan, and she was she goes to f- France and she meets the guy from Fish Called Wanda. What's his name? Kevin. Kevin Klein. Kevin, Kevin Klein. So Kevin Klein plays a Frenchman. What's the name of that movie? Kevin Klein, Meg Ryan. It's a comedy. Forget Paris. No, that's Billy Crystal. No, that's that's Forget Paris. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dan, did you like that? You're like, forget Paris. Like, no, 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 that's, that's forget Paris. <laughs> that's forget Paris, I think okay, so. Okay, hold on. I'm looking it up. Kevin Klein movies. Kevin Klein movies. Here we go. Uh, Got it. It is French Kiss. The French Kiss. French Kiss, yes. And he Director, plays... Lawrence Kasdan directed that. Whoa. Wow. That happened. 
So <laughs> he plays a Frenchman, and then uh, what's his name? Uh, Jean Reno. Mm -hmm. uh, he he uh, he plays his like counterpart as a real Frenchman. So he does all the talking, and Kevin and Klein just goes, mm, well, yeah. That's his entire French. Like the rest of the time, he's speaking English with a of French course. accent. But when he's actually having a French conversation, like, oh, yeah, the only person I know of that I understand, I, I do not speak French, so I can't tell, but uh, I understand that Jodie Foster speaks fluent French. Yes, she does. Um, and, she does, because uh, I heard her in what we talked about it. Um, Oh my gosh, uh, Elysium. Yes, that's right, and uh, yeah, and because she does it for uh, uh, the um, uh, Jeune uh, film, Jeune Acaro uh, film. Uh, I can't remember the word, the, the word, the title of it, but uh, but apparently she's great. Um, but the the real trick with speaking in the language you don't know, like Von Sydow here, is being able to act through it. And Max Von Sydow is great in this movie. Whether yeah. he has an accent or not, doesn't he make a difference. He is very He's good. Great. He is very really good. good. So yeah, I don't need to harp on his accent. Yeah. He is very good. He plays uh, the guy's dad, mm -hmm. and he's uh, you know an aging father. He's mm -hmm. who who starts to need assistance, mm -hmm. right? And so his son helps him shave and helps him remember things and stuff like that. Um, and then. Uh, is a really beautiful thing, and then he, like, and now his son is a in a vegetative state, mm -hmm. uh, and they're trying to have a conversation over the phone, uh, and it's very difficult for his dad to yep. to understand that because it takes so long for him to answer questions or whatever, even though he has an interpreter there, right. Um, yeah, because right. he feels like he hasn't communicated with him in when he had the opportunity, and right. now it's made almost impossible. Right, and, and uh, it's like he's not—he's not represented as a bad dad, really. I mean, he's just like they just had a, you know, like he seems fairly, you know, inconsiderate and a little selfish, and he says that he cheated on his wife a lot and all this kind of stuff, and right. you can tell that he didn't re lead a really great life. Um, but even then he's just like, Oh, now I fucked it up. I missed my chance to, uh, right. actually communicate. But and here's the uh, question. What's really a great life? It, yeah, I, I think that's, this movie asks that very strongly. Yeah, it does ask that, that, that I, cause my thing with this, it's like, it's almost like you have to, when you first start watching it, it's almost like you tell yourself you have to learn not to always to learn to live with loss and mm. and not expect everything right away in a sense right because right. the frustration of not being able to talk and that problem with that like where he's just so frustrated because no one could hear him right. and he's talking back to himself right. that isolation and not being able to have that and not Dealing with that is probably a lesson you should live with because once you're dead, that's what it is. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. What was I just felt like he, I personally responded like, man, you just have to learn to live with um, not rejection, but not having your way. 
like learn to live with, you know, the frustration of, of you know, Am I saying this the wrong way, or do I sound like? No, I think I, I get what you're saying because it, it's the like it's the, the like impulsive, he, like come on, I'm right here. Yeah, that, let go of the frustration, like ride the wave that you're on. You know, like that's the like there's things you want to do, and you have you know like there's stuff that like that you would like to accomplish, then you're trying to do whether it's communicate or whether it's practice art or whatever the hell it is, but the situation you're in may not allow you to do this the way you want to do it, and uh, the biggest waste of time is complaining about it. Like right. is, is to, is to, you know, is to sit there in and, and destroy yourself with the fact that you can't do the thing that you want because then you're losing even more time, you know, which is essentially what happens for Von Sydow. This is where like, it's very connective to me in the movie. It's like Von Sydow has that moment where he's like, he is essentially, uh, he had all this time to communicate with his son and he didn't really like I said, it's not a bad relationship, but it's clearly not a full relationship. And, uh, and when that is shut off, all he can express is the frustration and that causes him even more pain. Right. Like he's, he's ashamed and embarrassed that he, that he has to hang up the phone, you know, uh, instead of just going, this is the way it is now. And I'm going to try to express this and connect to my, connect to my son anyway. Uh, I, I always kind of felt his character was somebody like, he wanted to have success that his son had. Yes. Yes. And it's like, I think I'm wondering if that's what Schnabel was dealing with. And also, um, not only Schnabel, but, um, cause he did have a weird relationship with his father. I don't know anything about this. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember reading an article about Lou cause Lou was, Reed was a really good friend with Julian. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, I think Julian's father died at his home in the village and Lou was there. And then he's like, Lou, you know, just dad passed away or something like that. And come into the next room and touch him and you can see him. And Lou's like, I don't want to go in the next room. Right. Before they came to pick the body up. And he's like, I didn't, I don't want to do that. Right. And Lou Reed felt really uncomfortable about that. apparently, mm. And, um, but that kind of relationship to say, look, my father's dead in the next room. Do you want to go in and just see him? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's kind of like, right. and the other weird. thing, the other thing too, is that they use this water theme, just like you did in Basquiat, the surfing. Because uh -huh. I know Basquiat surfed at one point or does surf. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like interesting, like using those old hooks. But I just felt like the father wished he could have been like him. He yeah, wanted so. to be like his son. Mm -hmm. And so, and maybe the son knew that, but then he also felt proud. I, you know, I beat my father. There's a lot of people compete with their parents. And so, you know, it's almost like he didn't want that to happen at the end. Right. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, what a selfish jerk I am. And, uh, well, I, I, I felt like, Learning to get everything you want and learning to just to accept loss mm -hmm. and not having everything go as planned is and accepting it and learn to live with that mm -hmm. is probably the lesson because he yeah, obviously except, got except everything. Except change, right? I mean, like, yeah, it, it, I mean, he yeah. just had everything right. and then he just lost. And that frustration right. and, and how scared you are and anxiety right. is horrible. Right. Right. And I, because I love the, uh, like one of the things I loved most in the movie was his relationship to 
his friend who like doesn't even uh like can't even figure out how to like he's trying to read the letters back to him and he keeps on looking at the letters <laughs> like he's like and he forgets to look at uh yeah. at, at the guy and i'm just like there's like there's such simple things that people want here but they're uh they're getting in their own way well he also was laughing about it yeah exactly exactly yeah you know or like well, yeah exactly that's a great point like when the uh the when the two it, go ahead oh it's just going to say when the delivery men come in yeah. and make fun of him he was um, and, 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 you know, the, the woman who is a speech therapist is, is offended for him. Right. And right. like, is really, really mad, but you hear, uh, Matthew Almerich, uh, laughing. And I was just like, that's fucking brilliant. Like yeah, here he yeah. is. He, he's like, he's just like, yeah, I'm just letting this ride. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what was interesting what, the, what this brought up with me, because this is something that I've been talking about for a long time and sort of in the, in the, in the the tech world and, and Eric and, and, and you, Dan, we've actually mentioned this on the podcast before is we talk about like films are a third person experience and mm -hmm. VR is a first person experience. Right. Right. And people try to shoehorn VR <laughs> into movies and it right. just doesn't never feels right. 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 But like this situation is like the kind of stuff that is, Hundred percent. It doesn't have to be VR. VR. <laughs> it doesn't have to be VR, right. but it but it, it it's a completely appropriate to be right. the first person experience, right. and that is uh, because, especially because he's so helpless, right? Yes. So the the whole point of VR, the thing that, that I don't like about VR is that like stuff just happens to you, and right. you don't have any control over the story when you're doing right. this, and it just feels wrong. Like, right. but in and that is exactly the point of this film. <laughs> right. So, Things are just yeah, happening to you. This is a great you. point. This is a great point. Because like we, we did, we brought this up because well, I, I think we talked about this with Roma actually. Cause like, yes. I thought like Roma is kind of a VR movie to me and uh, where it's just like, it spends so much time letting you be in the space with sound design and being like, just yeah. giving, giving the space a lot of room until you are like, you're not even there for the scene. You're just there to experience what you're experiencing and right. Roma takes its time to get you into that uh, frame of mind. And as like the direct, now the director of uh, Alphonse Cuaron, um, when he was talking about when he was doing um, children of men, he said that children of men was inspired by half-life two. Right. I right. think like, I believe that he has a connection there. Like, I think he's thinking about the same kinds of things, but I think you're right. Exactly right. To bring up um, the, like the tension of this movie is the tension that you feel in VR, this is what you're saying, right? I think it's like, right. is the tension that you feel with VR that doesn't let you control it, right? Well, it doesn't make any sense, right? right. So they're, they're, people haven't quite figured out, you know, how to make VR content in, in the movie form. They thought of it right. as just another... Just make a movie. Form of stereo. It was like, oh, right. it's just stereo enhanced. It turns it's out that's like, very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, if you, like, you know, instead right. of... Instead of, you know, doing a big, you know, Cinerama dome, we'll just right. do a 360 dome and then yeah. we'll make it stereo. And it's like, that's the new movie. And yeah, like, because it's super easy to tell sense. stories in 360. It, yeah, <laughs> you know, it like, doesn't quite. Right. <laughs> right. And this one was very telling. Also, the fact that it still made sense 
because he couldn't move his head, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's right. very, and they focus on it, and they said it's like, don't look here, don't look there, look there, look yeah, there. Like when sick. they're talking to him, and that's the thing is like he can't move his head, right? Right. And so he just can look forward, and oh my gosh, the the scene where they sew his eyes shut is just oh, it's horrifying, yeah, horrifying. That is the because I mean the, the 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 what he is experiencing is called locked in syndrome. Right. Oh. which is ironic when we look at, because we basically say that about ourselves now with COVID. Right. It's like the, uh, that there's a scene in which one eye is no longer uh, moistening and the eye is going to die. Right. And unless they sew it shut and they give you a first person point of view of the eye being sewn shut. And it you can is still see through it too. Yeah. And it's like, it is worse than when in a movie you are, being buried alive. Yeah. Like I, I was, I was more claustrophobic from that than I was from watching, you know, being buried alive and kill bill or being buried alive and buried or any of that stuff. Like, right. this is like, I know this connects directly with how I feel. Yeah. I've had and, my eyes sewn. Oh yeah. I was awake. Yeah. Oh, be, oh uh, because of sur eye surgery. Yeah. Oh man. They had to put stitches in my eyes. Well, my in eye your eyes, eyes balls, balls yeah. not sewing your eyelid shut. No, but <laughs> yeah. That's Trying. pretty horrible, though. Yeah, come on, dude. Yeah, like, that's that's not. Uh, what? Uh, just someone uh, poking a needle right where your vision is. <laughs> yeah, it was basically sealing up because they had cut it open with a diamond knife, and so it flipped it back like you take a top of yeah, the grape yeah. off. Yeah, you you got so cataract they, surgery. Yeah, but they sewed it back, but you can feel the thread going through, and when they pull it, you can feel like just a little bit of a pull, you know? So that's, the thing, the that's the thing, that's the <laughs> thing, right? It's the thing that, like, I can't deal with. It's the, even though I don't feel pain, I feel the the other weird stuff going on. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a, a there's a, an empathy that your body has for what is happening here, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I think that that's also, that's just sort of a weird, it's, it's interesting to think about when you brought, what you just brought up. It's just sort of like, that's the thing about, uh, the difficulty of, of doing VR correctly, like in terms of storytelling and whatnot, is like, like I can imagine wanting to see a movie in VR, but I want it to be both passive and active simultaneously. And that fights with itself. The right. thing, the thing that like you want the, you want the VR experience to somehow, even if it's totally passive, you want it to acknowledge you somehow. And when you have things like sewing your eyes shut, like where your the your nervous system rings like a bell when you see that. Like you are not feeling the pain of it, but your body's like, I'm gonna simulate this for you on some level and right. it's gonna freak you out. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the emotion to tap into. Yeah, no, no, so they they, they, they succeeded in the I don't know, yeah, they succeeded in, yep. in the in first person. It. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I, the I, helplessness. I think the worst the worst part of it, the worst part, even though I I was thinking about it, is like like I said, the doctors are real assholes, right? Mm. And those guys, like, I, yeah. I thought about that. They're not assholes. No, that's a <laughs> no, good point. Yeah. But but the guys, like, yeah, it's not good. No, yeah, we're just gonna have to seal it shut. Don't worry, I've done this like a thousand times. And he's sealing the guy's eyes shut, and his internal monologue is like, please don't, please don't, please don't. Oh yeah, God, God, oh God, yeah. oh God, oh God, oh God, please don't. You know, like he wants to. This is like his, his only thing he has is his vision, yeah. and he just lost half of it, right? Yeah. Or one eye, basically. But it's 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 uh. The guy was like, the guy, the doctor didn't seem to have empathy. He was like, don't worry, don't, you're not going to oh, feel anything. he's talking anything. about skiing. He's like, yeah, yeah I just went skiing. It's beautiful. Yeah. I have the wind in your face. <laughs> yeah. Just like, guy, what are you doing? What are you, yeah. <laughs> you're talking to a guy who will never be able to ski at all. And you're like, oh, man, you should really go there. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. No, the movie is, is so good at, at placing you like, this is what I love about the movie is it, it really does a great job of putting you in the, the moment of this guy's experience. Right. Um, but it doesn't simply turn it into a novelty. It like, it allows the fact that you are adjusting to this point of view, yeah. uh, to, uh, to, uh, rhyme with the, what the story is saying, which is like, you will learn to adapt to this. Life like goes you, on. Life goes on. You will, those you will change into this thought thing. with those women and lords. Yep. yep. Is, he's going to ski. Yep. He's going yep. to live his life before yep. it all ends. Yep. And what uh, was this? Sorry, Eric, I missed that part. He basically, he, that doctor and everybody else is, they're living their lives. Yeah. Right. And everybody's locked in their body, you know? And you have to go and take advantage of that. You know? And he took advantage of his life. Yep. Here's the thing. He said, we saved you. Science saved you. In the beginning, he's like, right. why? <laughs> right. right. He's like, God, why did you do that? Yeah. It's better. Well, just, you know? what, did you, what did you guys feel about the, uh, when he writes, uh, I want death? Right. Well, well I, I understood that frustration because... He couldn't get, he was helpless for somebody who had it all and was in control and he was helpless. And I understand that. Sure. What's the point? But, right. Um, but, but to say that around surrounded by people who are trying to help him because he's alive. Her reaction he is like extremely that, powerful. Yeah. It was wonderful. But yeah. look, he was a guy who hanging out with Lenny Kravitz in it. Do you know what I mean? So it's right. like. For somebody who had it all and just lost it, right. you know, I, you know, rock and roll. How old was he? Was like forty-one or something like that. Yeah, some of him. Yeah, forty-three, somewhere in there. Yep. Yeah, dude, it was it was uh, brutal. Yeah. So I, I I was very moved by the the uh, speech therapist's reaction to that. Like I was just like, and then that she came is, back to apologize. It was so yeah, beautiful. that was tremendous. That was tremendous. I was just like because like. You know, you can argue about whether or not she's right, but her response was so genuine right. and it really, it like her reaction where she's just like, like, how dare you do this to me? Like, like what that does is bring the reality of the world outside into us. Right. Like you're no longer just him. And then there's the outside, like suddenly because you're seeing her reaction, because like there's, there's something really magical about when you do first person filmmaking, like having actors look right into the lens, it gives you an access to emotions that normally movies don't have. And when you find a way to do that, um, and she, ch she just pours right into you when you watch but the scene. Not only did they find a way to do it, but they'd have to adjust yeah. his eyesight so they're constantly yeah. shifting and lowering their heads like can yeah. you see me like it's yeah. really you yeah it's like and it and it takes you from the the internal emotional world to the external emotional world in that scene and after that like i'm really engaged with everybody else's life and it's also after that point the movie opens up its point of view at, from a, in terms of the camera you know, like then he's like after he goes through that, like it starts freeing itself up to explore more of the other characters' lives and the other points of view uh, that before it wasn't allowing you to see. And so it supports the emotional uh, journey with physical filmmaking, which is what makes this movie work so well. I mean, like all the acting's great, and uh, 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 you know, you like. Think the... Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
like when they go to Lourdes mm. and he questions Mary and he looks in the, the window and then like the next scene, it's like he is being floated in a pool. Yeah. Like a Pieta. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's really beautiful. I mean, there was something about that whole scene about commercializing Jesus and everything. It was ridiculous. Oh, there's a wonderful shot where he's like, oh. like all the postcards, all the 3D or uh, 3D postcards blinking. of Jesus. The blinking Jesus blew me away. I'd forgotten about that one. I was just like, what a fucking ripe bit of uh, like, that's a slap in the face. Like, here, yeah. here's what you think. Here's what you think of yourself. <laughs> you know, it's just like, right. that's. What a catch. That was a really, really good. And then you know that they probably didn't even think of that until they were actually there filming at Lords. And they're like, Yeah. Well, we have to shoot blinking Jesus, obviously. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so good. Yeah. An incredible. Yeah. Movie. And I can't have sex with you with the Mary looking at me. With Mary looking on. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Oh, that's a good pick there. That was blessed by the Pope. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. It's like, oh my God, commercializing Catholicism. It's just yeah. hilarious. Well, and then it really, it, it's sort of like, uh, it's great. It's like saying it's a sign, you know, that Star Wars uh, shirt yeah. was signed by George Lucas. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yes. Now it's twice as Star Wars. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that like, it, it, it's such a great way to show the distance from his, um, like from his real spirit. You know, like, like he is so like, he's so alone in that experience. Like when he's walking the streets, um, uh, after he leaves at at night and he's just, it's just empty, you know? And like, there's like, he doesn't connect with the people when they're right in front of him. And then he is shown walking through empty streets. And this is the aloneness that he was already feeling in his life. And now it matches up with the, the aloneness he feels because he is separated from it and right. you feel the distance between like uh like what he, like he's like that says like what have you really lost you know have you have you really lost something here or is there an opportunity to get something that you formerly didn't have you know and a perspective that you didn't have on yourself and your relationships you know obviously it's a terrible way to go through it but like you have an opportunity here to explore this and that's, that's the stuff. I mean, just like I was talking about with like, you know, everyone who's fucking stuck at home right now, like you have the choice between going bananas or digging into what you care about. And, uh, and I think that the people that are, uh, having the toughest time are the people that are, 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 are looking for escape and are frustrated by the fact that they can't do that, mm. you know? And, uh, whereas it's really, it's, it's a tremendous, you know, like this is a terrible thing that the, everyone's going through, but it's just like, it's such a, an opportunity to like, look at what is real and actually meaningful. And, uh, and the movie visualizes that so well. It's a, and a, you said earlier, you, you basically realize what's the most important thing after all in your life right now. Yeah, no, I mean like it's, um, and you've I, known that the whole time. I mean, I'm well, sorry. Well, there's a difference. Yeah, no, there's a difference. Always talk, you've talked about that long sure. before COVID. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, this is the thing. It's like, like, yeah, like there's, you know, without going deep into my personal life, like there's, there's been a long process of sort of figuring uh, a lot of stuff out. And, uh, uh, and uh, even uh, like there's a difference. Like, I think this is always true. There is a... The, uh, there's a moment in Bridesmaids, the movie Bridesmaids, yeah. <laughs> which I really, really love, where um, uh, the main character 
has just been through hell. Like everything has gone wrong in her life. And she sort of starts to get the picture that she is the source of, she's the source of her own problems. Right. And to the point where she's able to sort of vocalize that. And she, she intellectually understands that. Um, uh, it's not just bad things happening to her. It's, it's not just... random bad shit that's happening to her. Like you, the way you live your life calls this stuff into right. your life. That's why it's happening. Um, and there's a different, like she's at the point when she intellectually sort of gets that that's happening. And then she's, I think she's on the phone with her mom. She's like, mom, you know, I really feel like I finally hit bottom. Right. And of course she has not hit bottom at all. <laughs> like the movie's right. just like, the movie's like, no, 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 no. Well, you it's don't know where no. bottom is. Exactly. That's the problem. <laughs> exactly. And so like, um, you know, whenever I talk about like having some realization about where my life's going, I try to be sensitive to the fact that I'm probably wrong. You know, like, right. like there's, there's more, there's more to be, there's more to experience and there's more to be learned. But what I am grateful for is uh, when the moment, like, if I feel like I've gotten it figured out and I'm still not yet happy or satisfied with what I'm doing or myself, then I am very grateful for the opportunity for greater clarity. And I think that that is what has happened uh, for a lot of people recently. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I feel like, cause like I've been like, there's talking about it and there's doing it. Right. And I'm really, you guys have known me for a long time. I'm really good at talking about it. Not so great at doing it. <laughs> really? And like I don't I, I've never known that. You've always that, made and moved and moved. I I, tr I it's a uh I I think the the reasonable way to look at it is like sometimes I am and sometimes I I'm not, you know. And sometimes the engine's working perfectly and sometimes I it doesn't. And um and it that that stop startness it creates its own sort of mythology in my mind about my ability to get anywhere that I want to get. You know, because like it's easier to fall back on complaining about frustration than it is to grapple with what you want to do, and and to execute it, and uh, and uh, the the fact is the like the happiest I've been is when I've relaxed into uh, what the situation I'm in, even if it's not a great one. You know, you just go okay. There are things here. I mean, that's a total Christian line. It's like except the things you can't change, right? Like you can still, you can, in fact, it'll give you greater, a greater ability to act on the things that you want to act on. If you recognize the things that you can't do and let that go. Um, and, and that's a, that's a difficult thing that has been historically a difficult thing for me to process. Letting uh, go. Letting go. Because like, it, it's so it, like ego wise, it's so satisfying to, um, to, to revel in the suffering of it because it's very self-defining and you just sort of say like, Oh, woe is me. I won't be able to do this thing or blah, blah, blah. Or people won't let me or whatever. I'm, I want to be a filmmaker, but the studios, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and it feels really good to be able to get that off your chest now and again, but it's also very addictive. And eventually like you have to find a way to, find peace with what you're trying to do instead of living in an illusory world of accomplishment, like mm -hmm. actually settled into the practice of accomplishment um, and being in the place you want to be as opposed to wanting to be in a place. If that makes any sense. I know that's a long way to talk about it, but I mean, that's what rings true about this movie and why this movie, because I mean, like this movie is not made for people who have had strokes and are locked in their body. This movie is saying, 
we are all locked in our bodies, you know, and what, what are the stories we tell ourselves about why we can't be where we want to be? You know, what are, how are we in a place you want to be, to be rather than wanting to be in a place you want? Yes. Right. 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 And I I think that that's the, like, that's the powerful statement this movie has. and, And it's why I thought of it. You know, recently, I mean, I've been doing a lot of, uh, I'm spending a lot of time doing personal work and I feel calmer and better and, you know, more satisfied with myself <laughs> and my expression. And it leads to a happier life with the people that I care around me, like where I'm just like, now I'm spending my time wisely, yeah. you know, and I'm, ha- and I'm happy when I interact with folks well, and that stuff. It's. It's a, it's a, it, and Karen hates it when I tell the story because she disagrees with it, but it's when I was in architecture school, right? And I was basically trying to, I was going to do my thesis and I got the whole, I had this whole idea of what my thesis was and I, I was really all excited about it and everyone thought, I was like, I guess that's a good thesis or whatever. And then my advisor said, ah, that's been done before. It's BS. You need to do something else. I'm like, but, but. <laughs> I've been working all summer on preparing this and I thought I was all set. Like I'll suddenly like my entire thesis got thrown out the door. Right. I had mm-hmm. no idea what I was going to do. And, uh, my friend Bob told me, said, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just make a couple of a list, list all the things you like to do, mm-hmm. put that on the list and then list all the things you don't like to do. And then try to do as many of the things you'd like to do as possible and avoid doing as many of the things you don't like to do as possible. <laughs> hey, look at that. <laughs> and I kind of laughed at that. He says, I was like, yeah, okay. And so I, you know, I decided I'm going to fuck around with some new software that I got. And right. I just started messing around with it. And I just, just, just to keep my mind busy, you know? And then suddenly, like something popped up. And I was like, oh, wow. And then my entire new thesis like popped out of that. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I showed my, and I basically showed my advisor. I said, I don't know where this is going, but this is what I made. And he goes, huh? He says, that sounds pretty interesting. It's like, you should keep exploring that and see where it goes. And it turned out to be a pretty good thesis, but <laughs> it was, it was weird. It was like, someone was like, okay, I think I, I like, you know, just, just doing that. And I think that's the thing, right? Like for me, it's trying new things. Um, and you fly know, fishing. fly fishing and fly tying, mm-hmm. uh, and that's something I've always wanted to do. Right? Right. right. I've lived, I've always been a big, I always loved fishing. Right. And I used to fish in Texas all the time, but I left Texas in 2001. Right. <laughs> and I hadn't actually started fishing on the beach until this year, last year. So it's been like 18 years. Yeah, I feel like where I mean, I've lost opportunity that I didn't do because it's like I'm just going to get around to it at some other time. Yeah, right, 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 right. So finally, I just picked up the freaking fly rod and started start goddamn fishing. <laughs> start goddamn fishing, right? Right. You know, and now you're happy to be fishing when you're fishing. Oh, That's I'm great. totally happy That's to be fishing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and it's you know, and I'm not the only one, by the way, because Al and I were talking about it. It's like he <laughs> he's been because he gets these. Well, anyway. I'm trying to find a a, a, a special a, a reel, and he was like, he's advised me on stuff, and it's out of stock everywhere because <laughs> everyone's buying fly fishing gear, right? Of course, <laughs> because fair. they're all like isolated and like, ah, I'm just gonna start fishing again, or like you know, or right. whatever, and they're all doing it because fly fishing is a very solitary thing, right? 
So it's a perfect thing to do in isolation. So, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, exactly, dude. But I mean, there's something like there is, maybe we talked about it last time, but it's just like there is a, uh, like, you know, like uh, uh, sports like that. I mean, it, they're very of the moment things. You know, like that's the, yeah. what you enjoy about it. It's not like there's nothing to really, like, like 99% of fishing is not catching fish. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Especially you know. the kind I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and so the joy has to be, the joy has to be found in the details of the moment. It's the process of going it's there. It's the yeah. process, right? Yeah. And that is the, like, that is the joy, like for me, you know, making stuff, writing things, uh, like the joy of it is in the doing of it, not in the worrying about doing it. Yeah. You know, like there's no joy in worrying with worrying. It sucks, you know, and, uh, and what it, what, turns out to be true is that the less the like the more I allow myself to do it, the less I worry and the more stuff I do. Right. You know? And, uh, and it's, you know, like it's, that's something I can, that I've, I'm sure that I've said out loud, like a trillion times for in the past 20 years, but I don't feel like I've really started to grok it until the last, you know, five, you know, mm. and, uh, and it's, uh, and it, and like, you know, I can complain that, you know, I didn't figure it out until too late in my life or whatever it is, but there's no point in that either. Like there, you're just here now. Like what are That's you doing? That's my right? story. Yeah. Just be here now. Yeah. That's all you got. Yeah. I've, I'm very, I'm very proud of what you've, you've done, Eric. I know it's still hard for, for it all to come together, but I'm, you're doing the thing that people just don't have the guts to do. Amen. So, Which is what going after it, doing it, you know, making it happen. You've got a quest, and I know it's and I know it's hard, and you're struggling, and all of the other stuff that's going on. But I'm I'm impressed. Most people don't have the guts, or they are risk averse. It's very true. And <laughs> for know? listeners to be vague, we, Eric has worked on a uh, very elaborate and uh, 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 impressive project for uh, quite some time now. Yep. And it, uh, He's dedicated, it is, dedicated a lot of his time to it. So yeah, and it's really, really, it's really stunning. It's great. And great I work. lost a lot of my money. <laughs> well, you haven't lost it. You put it into it. <laughs> it's the, the thing that you're doing. Exists. Yeah. I don't know when to quit. I think it's soon, but I just, it's, you know, I think you were telling me, Dan, just got to fall in love with it again. And that's yeah. what I'm trying to do. It's hard when, when, when things don't go so well, sometimes it's hard to, to, to keep the, the love for it. Yeah, or no way. You just got to remember why you did it in the first place. Yeah, my fear is not that I'm going, you know, to love. I just feel like I can keep devoting time to it, but you know, if it doesn't come to fruition, am I wasting my time right now? Because you've already, you know what I mean. It's like why keep building out a company when you know that sales are only going to reach a certain point. Right. You know what I mean? Well, sure. I think that's a totally fair question. Like, I mean, but what you're like the, the, like with no, with no judgment to it at all, all you're saying is like, uh, should I stop doing this when I no longer enjoy it? And the answer is yes. So if you want it to be worthwhile, then you should look for as many ways to enjoy it as possible. And if you continue to enjoy it, then it's going to continue to happen. And like, that's what gives it the chance. If you worry about it, not, uh, if, if the achieving it in some, in some way is the most important thing, as opposed to the doing it, um, then you're risking disappointment. 
Uh, but if you're, you know, if you say like, well, it's not happening, this thing that I want to do isn't happening in this particular form, but I do love it. So I'm going to do it in this other form over here. You know, I'm going to change the way the art is practiced so I can continue to tell the story. Then that is a new way to express love for it. And that is a new window for people to see it. Hmm. Uh, and like, but if at any point you're just like, I no longer love this, then you don't do it. No, I still love it. it. I just, I just don't know how much more money I can invest into it before I go bust officially. And I got to get back to, you know, real world, but, uh, it's definitely been a a wonderful journey, but it's, you know, I think you spend a lot of time working in visual effects, particularly that it's like you basically doing other people's visions. Yeah. And I've done that for so long that I've just had to do this and it's great. But, you know, the reality is, you know, there's a lot of problems, you know, you got stuff to deal with and uh, it's a miracle. People get movies made, you know, anybody <laughs> get, who gets a movie made is, is amazing yeah, because it's, it's just uh, the feat of getting it done is the big deal. So yeah. I'm, it's, you know, it's a lot of tricky work for sure. Yeah. Sure. And so I respect anybody. I know somebody who just made a movie and I texted him and I was like, or uh, Facebook, and I was like, you know, this is with Vinnie Jones, you know, some big actors. And, uh, you know, congrats, man. You made it. You made a movie. That's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but you kind of, I think it's, uh, you touched on something earlier. It's like, you know, could have done it earlier or, it yeah, took sure. a while to get stuff together. It was like that for me. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's a, it's definitely this time alone, or at least with your family, is now like what's the most important thing. Yeah, totally. And movies like this definitely help you guide you. <laughs> yeah. uh, right. You know. Yeah. So, uh, but I just, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a weird, a weird time. You will you get to relate to your family, you know. For there's, sure. there's one thing you can say is like, I wish I'd spend more time with my family. It's like, Fine. well, you're spending a lot Here of time is. with your family. <laughs> Here it is. Yeah. It's true. yeah. And then the people I feel really dissatisfied are people who are, are don't have family around. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who are alone. It must be a very strange experience. That's got to be extremely tough. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And some yep. people who are like that, and it's it stinks. Right. They're just alone because a lot of their life was going out to restaurants and meeting people. Right. Right. And right. uh, except and, if you're people like 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 my buddy Daniel Buck, who 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 likes to be alone. <laughs> yeah, it's a scene. That's all right. <laughs> That's his thing. He's like, and, he's loving this because he basically is like, you know, he's the same thing. He's like two hours or three hours of 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 no traffic he's like that's three hours i could be working on my on my trucks <laughs> exactly <laughs> making something out of metal <laughs> yeah yeah and so he's loving it he's like what does he do bad. with his truck i don't know man he make he has so many trucks that's so good he's got he's got a he's got a, a, a quote-unquote newer jeep which is you know one of those crazy jeeps that climbs a cliff kind of thing right. then he's got a 19 43 or no 40 46 or 49 something like that uh uh, willis that he's completely modified and done everything to and then he's got a 1932 chevy truck and a 1934 ford truck or something like that and then he's got a i don't know he's got 
he's constantly doing things. Like if right. he's not breaking something and putting it back together again, he's not happy about it. Right. Yeah. That's a good life, man. <laughs> you know, it's pretty great. Yeah. And he's got his house and he's happy in his house. Uh, and he, he's got two cats now, which, uh, and you know, suddenly he's posting pictures of how cute his cats are, which does not sound like Daniel normally, but, like, <laughs> but he's loving it. He's like, you know, I got my cats, got this. I'm hey, good. Man, that's how to live. That's yeah. uh, I, I admire that. I think that's whenever, important. whenever I chat with him and he's, you know, he's working from home and he's doing really well financially. Actually. That's great. That's great. Uh, and he's like, but he's like, yeah, this is great. I like it. I like, this is a good life. So yeah, man, I, that's, that's where everyone, like everyone, everyone should be in that state of mind. I think whatever it yeah. is that, that fulfills that. The thing, the thing be. that's interesting is cause we always, cause we all love Daniel. He's such a great guy and it's, you know, he's a good friend of the family. And he's like, you know, yeah, he used to come guy. to our house like every weekend and have dinner yeah. on Sundays or whatever. But then like, uh, you know, everyone's like, well, you know, we got to, you know, find Daniel, a, a girl, et cetera, et cetera. And he, you know, he was trying to, I don't think, I don't think that's going to work for him. <laughs> may not fit. It may not be what's important, you know, right. to him. Exactly. Who cares? He, I think important he thinks important. it's important because that's what everyone tells him he needs to have. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he definitely, you know, but I, I think he can just be a bachelor hang out and work I, on his trucks. Know, like, I think that this, that like, uh, you know, like it's, it's a, it's a tough thing. You have to be pretty honest with yourself about that stuff. Um, yeah. because like, I think that like the, I, you know, there are people I know who are, are sort of uh, relationship avoidant. Um, right. and, uh, you know, that I, I don't know whether they are relationship avoidant because they, it's an honest choice that they're just like, now nah, I just don't have time for that. And that's not my thing. Or whether, because they're, they, they are afraid to engage that something that they would want in their lives. Mm. Um, and they, uh, and you know, like there's a, like, it's easy to make an excuse out of stuff like that. If you're not careful, uh, like, well, no, I got too much going on, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. And, um, uh, and so instead of embracing, you know, that you would, would really like kids for instance, or whatever it is. Um, but, uh, uh, I, I do think, you know, like it is perfectly reasonable if you're, if you're, if you are honest with yourself, and that if yeah. you're leading a happy life, then you're leading a happy life. <laughs> like, right. There's nothing else to be said about it. Like if you, if I talk to Daniel Buck and I'm like, how's things going? He's like, things are fucking awesome. Then yeah. I don't really have anything else to say. Like, that's what you, that's what I want him to say. Yeah. That's what I want for everybody. You know, yeah. There's nothing else to do to change that. Like be in it. You know, that's good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really, uh, I appreciate movies like this that, uh, don't try to sell me on the, uh, like the emotional drama of okay. something outside of it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, I like when movies like, I love how this movie sort of lands where you're just sort of like, uh, it feels good that he is in the space. Like, even though, you know, like he, the guy, the real guy died 10 days after the book was uh, published, you yeah. know, um, but you don't feel like that's a loss. Like that's not presented as a loss in the movie. Like right. he attained a state of mind, which uh, made that okay. You know, obviously prefer to be alive and keep on going, but like, you know, at some point this is where we're headed. 
And uh, you have to be in the right state of mind when you get there. Otherwise, it's going to be very stressful. And, uh, and for him that's to... That's maybe I was talking to earlier about with you guys. Mm-hmm. Being in that right state of mind, you know, yes. that you can't have everything. It's all over. And yeah. accepting certain things. And yeah. Being still with it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. There's a, there's a peaceful place to be. And that is part of happiness. And, uh, and it takes an enormous amount of, you know, honesty with yourself in order to do that. And it's something that I've not often been able to do. And so I admire stuff like this that reminds me to do Mm. that. There's actually a great, uh, I think I've talked about it before, but there's a, there's a show on Netflix, an animated show, uh, called the midnight gospel. And, uh, it's made by the guy who made adventure time. And, uh, and he got together with, um, uh, a guy who runs a philosophy podcast essentially and took elements of uh, interviews from this podcast that this guy did and then animated stories around those interviews. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it's a very, it's a really bizarre acid trippy experience, but, uh, 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 I really recommend, um, the midnight gospel and you don't even have to watch it. It's not a super continuous story. It is a continuous story, but you can just, you know, just click on any one of them and watch it because it's essentially just an interview. Um, but episode six, uh, is called, uh, the annihilation of joy. And I have rarely been so much in agreement with, uh, a short film. I was just like, I think everyone should see this. Like you don't have to see anything else. You just need to see this. This is one of the best life lesson movies I've ever seen. And it's about 20 minutes long. And, uh, it's that the background, the cartoon that happens during this, essentially an interview is a, uh, is a, an alien, a green alien that is trapped in a space prison. And he keeps on trying to escape the space prison and keeps on getting killed and starting again in the same place and getting angry and getting killed and getting angry and getting killed and getting angry and getting killed. And it must happen like a hundred times during the course of the episode. And slowly he comes to realize, stop fucking struggling so hard. Just accept what is happening, you know? And the more you accept it, the more actual, the control you're looking for is within you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's one of the most, it's very, it's a very funny cartoon, but at the end I was totally crying. Like it is such a release to see something like this. Uh, and, uh, if you can get to the place where the little green alien guy is in the end of that, or where Matthew Almerick is in the end of, um, diving bell and the butterfly, I, I, I highly recommend that. That is a really happy place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. And there's something about, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man. About what? There was, there was something about, um, Something about it was a little unsettling to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, like I said, it was, it, it seemed, it seemed very simple. Yes. Like there's something simple about it that I wish it was, I wish there was, there was hints of something a little bit more thought provoking but it wasn't always that way. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, I don't know. Maybe that's the whole point is that you, you, you don't, it doesn't try to be too, too brainy, you know? Sure. Right. It's not, it's not, it's not too heady, but, uh, 
Yeah, I, there was something about it that was. I mean, he was really good in it. it was very. Oh yeah, good. this that guy the for the audience. Uh, Matthew Almarik is terrific. You see him all over the place. Uh, mm -hmm. He's in Munich. He's in uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. He's in. Yeah. He's a bad guy in a James Bond movie. Like he's he's a real character actor. He's great. Yeah. Uh, and he looks kind of like. Uh, uh, Polanski. What? Polanski. He does look like Polanski. Yeah, it's really exactly. weird. He looks, like he should, yeah. Like, I don't know if he's ever played Polanski or if he's going to play Polanski, but he, like, I'm sure someone's thought of that. Good God. Yeah. Um, but he's, he doesn't get a lot, weirdly, he doesn't get a lot of screen time in this movie. Like, you mainly just hear his voice. Right. And, uh, and, or, or if you see him from the outside, he's obviously not able to do very much. Right. Well, um, he does that very, very well. He does that very, very well. Uh, very, very he, well. he, he mostly plays himself in memories. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Right. And he's a he's a really he's a strange looking guy, but he's a really charming physical presence to me. Like he's a really like alive like actor when you see him. Like like yeah. most Frenchmen. <laughs> yeah, he's just a, like he just has a lot of like you know energy when he's uh, you know when he's like when he's when he's shaving his dad when he's shaving uh, Von right. Sato. Like there's a sort of like uh, sense that he's got to get someplace. Uh, because you know, like he's got something to do, but he's not ha not unhappy about being here at the same time. Right. So right. like, there's just this very high wire sensibility to him that I really, I, it's very infectious. I like that guy quite a bit. Yeah. But Remember that John Lennon quote: "Life is what's happening. Life is what's happening when you're making other plans." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, dude. I think that guy definitely got it. <laughs> he definitely got it. Yeah. What was something oh. else that was interesting? We were having, I was having this conversation with a couple of friends the other day and they were saying like, there's some research about memories and it's like 90% of memories are false. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. I believe that for sure. You know, you're just rewriting stuff all the time in the background yeah. and it yeah. solidifies into truth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I just heard this, uh, this past week there's a, uh, um, because at the quantum level, you can kind of get a little bit messy with, uh, causality now. Like you can get, like, they can sort of met, like not quite time travel, but they can sort of time travel in terms of like particles and in very small circumstances. Right. Um, and it turns out like they can make time flow backwards for particles and things like this, which is really interesting. But, uh, what they discovered is that at least at that level, uh, if you go back and change something in the causal chain earlier than where you are, right? The, the grandfather paradox. So you go back in time and you kill your own grandfather and then you're not alive to go back in time to kill your own grandfather problem. Well, it, at least in the quantum level, time doesn't care. It just heals itself. Uh, and things turn out the same way anyway. And I was like, so Marty McFly didn't have to do any of that shit. It would have ended up exactly the same. Even with the, there's micro there's changes, you know, that happened, but everything ends up coming back into the same place. That's crazy. And I was like, that's insane. Cause like the, and the way that I heard it was like, time is like, uh, in, in this experiment, time is like a river. And then you put a stone in the middle of the river, the river at that point divides because there's a stone in the way, but then on the other side of the stone, it just flows back around and becomes the river again. And I was like, right. that is bananas. Like you go back in time and come out later. To, and... I have to read where, where that 
I will I will I will say this. It's very I mean like obviously this is only at the quantum level. It doesn't have any implications for something large scale, but I was like, that's really wild that uh that uh, that's even possible. Like it's just goes times like nah, it doesn't make any difference. We're we're not gonna change everything just because you change something. <laughs> yeah. I got I got it the way I like it, so it's time. Right. Causality is do you think because of the nature and what it was depicting that it's almost hard to critique a movie like this? What do you mean? Well, you were talking about the way it's certain things and issues you had with it, but the subject matter is so scary for most people, right? And what it deals with is so heavy that being critical, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to be critical of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right, but that's the, with all serious movies. Sure. Like, you know, you're not going to go Schindler's List like, yeah, Schindler's List was okay, you know? <laughs> I think you should be able to say that. I think you absolutely, I think Schindler's List is a good movie, but you should not feel bad about saying that. Like, because I actually, I really don't like when movies uh, require me to speak well of them because of the subject matter. Like, that's a giant pain in the ass to me. Yeah. I was like, you're going to. It's interesting you say that because well, I just was thinking of Schindler's List when I said that. Because I remember going to see Schindler's List with a DP who lived in my building in New York. And we were critical of that flower, or the rose shot at the end. Mm -hmm. Right? The right, rose yeah, yeah. became color. Right, right. And I was like, oh, I just didn't like that hook. And yeah. literally, like, this was at the 12th and 2nd Theater, like a 10th right. and 2nd. Um, in, in East Village and these three or four older, obviously Holocaust survivors, Jewish men came up to us and said, how dare you criticize the film? And oh, that's I, a drag. And no, Carla was like, like man, and Carla went on a tangent. I was like, okay, we were trying not to, I just didn't like the hook. I mean, I completely understand their emotional involvement in the movie. I, mean, I do. Obviously, that's but true. I, but I mean, like the, but like the, a, a movie is a movie. Like, you know, you talk about how well it's made. That's well, about it. don't you remember what was the, you guys ever watch extras? Do you remember extras? Yeah. With Ricky Gervais. Yes. Do you remember yeah. what was the one with, was it Kate Blanchett? No, it wasn't Kate Blanchett. Who was it? Um, no, it's Kate, Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet. When she's like, yeah. that's how you win a fucking Oscar. You do a Holocaust movie. That's what you do, man. That or, a, <laughs> or, 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 or a retarded person. You yeah. got the Oscar nailed. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> it's harsh. <laughs> Amazing show. <laughs> Hilarious show. But there is uh, a but truth yeah. to that. Like there literally is. It's like, this was so, because of the first person quality of it, wasn't like parents sitting around. You got to experience it. There's, it does well, there's a, there's a 1917-ness about this movie to me. That's right. right. And there's and a the, fluidness like, to it that it's right. just, you can relate and learn from it. So right. it's almost it's simply like, experiential. Yeah, that's what it is. And, right. and you get I, that. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be, I thought it was a really good movie. I thought there were some really good points to it. I thought, it had some had some interesting things. I don't think it was a fantastic movie, mm -hmm. honestly speaking. I think it was a it was a good movie. I enjoyed seeing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought that um, uh, uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward John Ford. Well, yeah, 
was a significantly better film. This is a come down from one of the great, great films of all time. I agree with you. So <laughs> that's very true. So that was a much better film. Listen, I don't want, I don't mean to critique Adam Sandler, but I've seen, uh, uh, oh, yeah. uh yeah, yeah, exactly. When you compare Zohan to, uh, say the passion of Joan of Arc, it's a little, it's a little lacking, <laughs> <laughs> but this movie could, you know, takes itself very seriously and it's a very sure. serious film right and it's right. a good thing and so uh i think it was and i think you're right it was it was the right it was the right film for the time for us to go through this and take stock in our lives right sure that's the whole that's the good thing about it especially like especially like because there's a lot of like i said there's a lot of films where someone gets a disability and has to re re reframe their life to appreciate right. what's which going is, on, which is a great kind of film, and there's plenty of great examples. There's of lots of good films like that, uh, but this one was specifically hits home at our situation, yes. right? Like, because we're all kind of stuck in our bodies, which is what this movie says to right. to you, right? I mean, it's it's a it's like that's I mean I agree, I agree with you. I think that this is like you know it, compare this movie to you know like Assassinates to Jesse James. They're like I wouldn't get your hopes up that high. It's like it is a it is a but it is a really unique movie and how it and what it's how it's getting at what it's getting at. And uh, I think that that's what makes it that's what really got me about it. I'm like, I, I like this movie a lot. I really like that. I uh, There are only a few movies that sort of use this technique and say this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that like when I brought up 1917 before, like 1917 is hammered on for being simplistic. Right. It's, uh-huh. a, you know, you know, getting into, go to going from A to B. You know, like there's not a lot of character depth, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's no dialogues. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, I get it. I totally get it. And like, you, you, if you really want to be harsh on it, it's basically a ride film, you know, but at the same time, like, that's what it is. Like, like that's why it's good. You know, 1917 is powerful because it is extremely straightforward and it's just trying to put you in an experience. And there's a value to that, even if you're missing other stuff. Yeah, and uh, and I think that the I love that uh, movie. Oh, it's I think it's great film. It's a really really great film. I mean, like, is it like is or, or to say like uh, you know it's like compare that with um, here's a movie that I think is better than Schindler, Schindler's List, for instance, is Munich, which I think is an incredible movie. Mm. Um, and I like I like Schindler's List. I think that's a very very good movie. But Munich is a knockout. Like that is that's got it all for me. And uh, I think that. Uh, when you do it at the absolute top of your game, you know, you do, you do something like Munich, which essentially has it both ways where it's like, there's a drama there. There's characters that you can be involved with and all the sort of like the complexities that you expect, but also the primal force of the movie is the experience. Right. And so that's what puts that up over the top for me. And like, you could make a better movie than 1917. If you could find a way to do, uh, also do a giant, you know, complex character drama as well. Right. Mm. But the force and power of 1917 is the experience and anything else outside of that, you got to be careful of adding. You got to be careful of adding to it because then it's putting a hat on a hat. (laughs) Like you're getting the one thing that you need to get right, right. So keep that. And I feel the same way about, uh, uh, about this movie. I'm just like, I can imagine a better movie than this. But I, I, it's so rare to get a movie like this that I'm a little hesitant to uh, critique it. Like, I'm just like, there's something like, yeah, I'm okay with calling it like a three-star movie, but it's a very special three-star movie. 
Like I it's agree. A unique I, I think I there. Listen, there. It's it it's it's um. You couldn't tell this. I don't think you could really easily tell the story in a better way, right? Mm-hmm. Because he does tell the story very straightforward, but he does add a lot of interesting character things, right? Like the the whole going to the town, going to Lords, yeah, his yeah. dad, and then we never really talked about the his his the girlfriend and the ex wife, right? Like that right. one was a very very that's a great scene, great, great scene. scene, just yeah. to to give people context i'm sure we've been skipping a bunch of stuff but basically his his girlfriend has not come to visit him in the hospital at all because i think she's probably terrified uh but uh his ex-wife stays with him all the time and the kids come to check on him and the only way he can communicate is you know she tries his ex his girlfriend tries to call him but the only person that is in a room that can communicate for him is the wife. And so she has to dictate the phone, like what he's saying on the phone to him. And it's kind of very oh, it's hard. Yeah. Awkward. Yeah. yeah. It's a hard scene. It's very Because she's scene. the one who's there for him. And yet the girl right. and he's trying to communicate to her yeah, right. through his wife. And it's really difficult. Well, and really I think difficult. they say I really like because what the girlfriend is going through. Uh, like you don't get to see the girlfriend. You you're on the, only, the yeah. you're on the wife the whole time. Yeah. Um, but the struggle that the girlfriend is going through is essentially the same struggle that his dad is going through. Like, right. there's something I need to say to you, but I can't face saying it. Like, right. And uh, and like I I I don't want there I don't want this new reality to be real. Is essentially what she's saying. Right. And uh, and I think that like that. Uh, the wife is the one who has gone through the journey of changing into the new reality makes that a really special emotional moment that she's the one that sort of translates that mm-hmm. not just for not translate and not just translates the words for him, but she's essentially translating the experience for the ex-girlfriend for the more rather for the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's like essentially making it like, it's very painful for her to do it, but she's like, I'm allowing you to get over this and to come see him, you know, I'm giving, I've been through this. I know what that struggle is. And it, you are trapped in a mindset that you need to get out of and to be free of for there to be less pain here. And I don't, I don't like it. And I'm sad about it because of the complexity of our relationship, but uh, she's the one who gives her the key to do it. And I like that. That's a, that's a really nifty uh, thing to have said. Right. Um, because you can't have characters more at odds than those two. And, uh, and to have the, uh, the grace to, uh, to give somebody else the key to what helped you it, when you, when you hate them is right. a, an extremely powerful bit of letting go all in itself. Yep. So yeah, like that's the like that's the great the greatness of this film is the simplicity of the movie, and I think that you're right that it's like the simplicity of the movie is also kind of a, you know, like it it because it's simple, it, you're like that's it, that's the movie, <laughs> you know, like in a way. Um, but uh, but that's you know, like I don't know if it's very difficult to have it totally both ways, and if it's gonna air on one side or the other, I'm glad that it airs on the side that it does because that's the stuff that I rarely see. Right. Yeah, I think you I, have to keep it simple. 
There's just no other way around it because you start getting it more complex than you're using other tricks to push. Well, it's of- easy to make it lopsided, right? It's yeah. easy to mess it up. Like, I mean, there are examples of movies that, that like Munich, for instance, or whatever, like that get it all. But man, that's a, that or Jesse James, for instance, like uh, Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford is a um, a masterpiece because it manages to have it all. <laughs> like it does every trick that it's pulling, it pulls off like a fucking magician, and right. it all gets integrated. Um, but you can easily see how in the hands of people less talented than the people that made that movie, it's a disaster. <laughs> you know, like that movie doesn't work if you mess up any part of it. And it's uh, it's amazing that they pulled it off. I mean, because even movies that, like, for instance, another, a movie that I truly love, but almost blows it, is Heaven's Gate. Oh, yeah. Right? And, like, Heaven's Gate comes so close to blowing it that people are people thought it they, that they blew it, you know? And for, you know, the past 40 years, people have been calling this a terrible film because it couldn't quite overcome the resentment that people had towards its production. But I just recently saw it, and I was like, this is a masterpiece, it's just a slightly unlikable one. And because of that, it's hard to... An unlikable uh, masterpiece. Yeah, it's just like me, where you're just like, you have to be a little patient with this thing because it's a little aggressive and it's a little bit uh, feisty. Um, but if you are patient, it's incredibly um, uh, powerful. Uh, whereas like, I can't imagine someone who likes movies watching Jesse James and not being knocked out. Like I can't imagine someone watching uh, uh, Heaven's Gate who loves movies and going, that kind of sucked. <laughs> like you have to be on board, and it because Heaven's Gate risks everything and almost pulls it off, ultimately pulls it off for me. But it's very thin. Whereas right. like a movie like this is like we're just gonna do this one thing, you know. It's like when you when you have like a perfect, you know, like a slice of pie. Like it's apple pie. Everyone's had it before going to do it just right with just enough whipped cream, a little bit of ice cream on the side. And you're like, we're going to put some cheese on top. <laughs> yeah, like You don't need the cheese. <laughs> so you don't crazy. need the extra stuff. Yeah. It's delicate. It's a delicate flavor. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a beautiful film. Yeah. I think yeah. I saw it at a festival. Um, How old is this film? Oh God. 2007 or something. Right. I think so. Yeah. Um, when did all of this happen? What year was it? Nineties, I, mean, I think. In the nineties. Yeah. In the nineties. Okay. So I think it was like ninety. Damn, we'll look it up. I'm looking up right now. The uh, yeah, the movie did come up in 2007. Yeah. Um, okay. and it was ninety-eight. The book came out in ninety-seven. Uh, this looks, yeah, 97. Yep. So it, it happened in, uh, the late nineties. Okay. Yep. And it, happened it was published in 1970. Yep. How long did, how long was he in, uh, in uh, paralyzed in that state? Let's see. Uh, year? two years, two years. Yep. Yeah. So he wrote the book in two years. Yeah. Yep. Seems like it would take a lot, a lot of time to write that book. And he yeah, negotiated I mean, all the film contracts too for it. Man, that's a tough one to handle in in, in regular talking life. <laughs> yeah, no, the the movie, the book is not very long, right? It isn't yeah, like it's, a, it's not like you wrote one piece, but yeah, it's a, a it's, pr- it's 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 universally well received. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I I nice. suggest all the readers go fishing off the Montauk, get a boat, 
and then have your photo taken by. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Evil Knievel, uh, fish, <laughs> yep. biking helmet. You're all set. Yep. Is, is there is there a movie like this that that has that effect on you? What do you uh, mean? Are there are there other movies that are like this that uh, have the because this had a strong effect on me? Uh, like what is the sort of like statement movie about art and life that uh, that rings a bell for you? I think the helplessness and his condition and how helpless you are um, brings that fear. And that's the universal kind of anxiety. Just like mm-hmm. when I watch The Descent, I go crazy, batshit crazy. Because <laughs> I am claustrophobic beyond. That's know. a good one. That's, so that's a good, it's that's a just good like, I think it's that universal, oh my God, you want to say I love you to somebody and you can't. And you can't do it. Yeah, that's a struggle. Yeah. So it's... It's definitely, uh, it's, I don't know if I can think of a movie that does that right now. Airport I mean, 77? Well, no. without, outside of airport 77, obviously that's the go-to. Not airplane either. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> uh, no, but there's, there's certain things. I mean, generally to me, movies that like, there's something about like, interesting characters like a someone who meets a character um out of the blue like who's a just unusual character and that person becomes a a guide for the for the protagonist or the person sure. you know, the so so that's the kind of things the that that I find really because I've always had that thing where I find friends that are like a little bit different <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah so that, and so that's always like my my the things i've always found, found interesting um I, there was a there's a movie that i still i i think i've only seen it like once but i saw it ages ago i must have, must have been a teenager and it's with george c scott and it's called the flim flam man do you guys ever see that movie oh i've seen it a long time ago yeah yeah where he plays a con man, right? Right. Or, and 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 uh, there's something about the way that George C. Scott acted in that that was resonated with me a great deal. Um, I love that. George C. Scott. That guy's yeah. underrated actor of all time. Oh yeah, that guy. like he should be as famous as Gene Hackman. I think that guy's a fucking triumph. Yes. Yeah. Obviously famous for Patton. Yeah. But, also, that uh, Schrader film. Oh, uh, um, hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very good movie, and also uh, uh, Doctor Strangelove as well. Yeah, oh man, that's a talk about (laughs) they'll see the big board, (laughs) they'll see the big board, (laughs) like roasting chickens in the barnyard. Oh my god, I love him in that thing. No, it's my man, yeah. Uh, directed by Irvin Kirshner. I didn't know this, who directed The Empire Strikes Back. Okay, there you go. So maybe maybe something will someday we'll cover that movie. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, there's one there's one scene in in uh, uh, Doctor Strange Love where he uh, he's talking on the phone. It's the beginning. It's the very beginning when he's talking on the phone and he's got the secretary that he's sleeping with in the bed with her, mm-hmm. right? And he gets on the phone and he's just and he has his phone. I was like, yeah, tell what we're going to do, old man. And he slaps his belly and it makes this really like loud slap sound. And, and it's just every time that happens, that just cracks me up. 
Cracks me <laughs> That's up. That's amazing. Tell what we're going to do, old man. Bam! And he slaps his belly as he's on the phone. And just really funny. Well, yeah, George has got his fabulous in that. And he really get the character. Like, he really embraced that character to the to the full extent as a, as a comedy. I mean, basically, he's playing like a comedic version of Patton at that point. Yeah, yeah no doubt, dude. Yeah, God. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he was so, uh, uh, like, he's such a big presence. Like, you know, George just got, like, had, an, Chris, had some weird. Oh, go ahead. Okay. I, got, I think I got somebody at the front door. Hold yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, he like he, had, he like he seems like there's a much bigger person inside George C. Scott that's constantly trying to tear its way out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like that lasts all the way up to like I'm, I'm sure I've talked about this one before. Exorcist Three is one of my favorite horror oh movies my of gosh. all time, yeah, and yeah, he yeah. is fucking hysterical in this movie. Like it's a scary movie, but it's also slightly funny all the time. And right. George C. Scott owns that movie up yep. and down, up and down. Like yeah. all time great performance from him. I prefer that over Dr. Strangelove and I love Dr. Strangelove, not the movie itself, but like the, the performance. Well, yes. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I had this thing. I remember when I was, when I was a, a young kid, I was like, I always had this passion for the performances of George C. Scott and Alec Guinness. Right. Oh yeah. And I only knew Alec Guinness through like, uh, like, through Star Wars, and I was like, "That's not the Alec like the Alec, the other Alec Guinness I loved was like you know the man in the white suit and all, oh, yeah. all that other stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. Like right. Uh, or uh, kind hearts and coronets, which is yep. unbelievable. Yep. Or um, what's the um, uh, the uh, the one where he's um, he's robbing the old lady's house? What's oh, uh, uh, the Lady one. Killers. The Lady Killers, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. No, he's terrific. Have you ever seen Captain's Paradise as well? I've not seen Captain's Paradise. No, I have. I have a. My dad got me an Alec Guinness box, I believe or not. But yeah, oh, Captain's, that's great. Captain's Paradise is is oh well, it's extremely misogynistic. But I'll, <laughs> well, hey, uh, it, <laughs> it was the basically Alec is still great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically he plays a captain uh, mm. of a boat that's uh, that is uh, that goes between um, Gibraltar and Morocco, mm-hmm. right? And basically he has two. He has he has a wife in Gibraltar, and a girlfriend in Morocco, <laughs> and he's completely different person. So when he's in Gibraltar, he's a very like subdued man who goes to bed early, gets you know blah 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 blah. Everything's fine. Like he's just very very calm life. Mm-hmm. And then when he goes to Morocco, it's like crazy nightlife, girlfriend, right. et cetera, et cetera, right. right. Uh, they don't know of each other, the two people, and they're from different countries, and that's basically what he does. Mm-hmm. And then what slowly happens is that his wife in Gibraltar starts to want to live a, a more interesting nightlife. Right. <laughs> and then the woman in Morocco wants to settle down, and like his whole life gets turned around. It's quite funny, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you kind of have to accept the... the how that how that goes <laughs> yeah it's the setup of the that. story sure i mean it's yeah. basically a uh a three's company episode <laughs> it is a three's co- yeah yeah but he's good at it because he pretty right. much i mean that's the thing right you hire alec guinness right if you basically uh want to hello uh, hey yep. you're back sorry there was uh you you hire alec guinness if you um 
if you want a person to play two different characters or two different roles, right? Oh, I mean, and that's this, the entire uh, plot of, uh, it's not kind of, it's kind of hard to credits, which is the one where he's like, yeah, kind of like, yeah. like twice, 12 roles, yeah, right. 12 different versions of the, yeah, oh exactly. the family, family members. Right. But, it, <laughs> but in, in, in late in, in Captain's Paradise, he's actually the same person. He just has two personalities, totally different personalities on different right? sides of the, of the, of when he's in right. Gibraltar or Morocco. So, yeah, God, That's I love quite, that too. I was thinking of something. Do you think there was any other director that could have done this film? Schnabel? Like, above yeah, than Schnabel? Yeah, like, could Fincher have done this film? Fincher would have done an interesting movie, but... Oh, he would, would have made, made it very movie. disturbing. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Fincher would have made it about making a Fincher movie, essentially. Yeah, like, he's like he's a technician. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, a brilliant, brilliant artist, but the way he gets at what he's getting at is in a, in a very outside way. A little humanity would have been lost. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, what I if think... someone like like a Vim Vendors did this, or uh, Vendors might have done well. You know, you know who'd have done a great, well, it, a great film, but it would have been bleak. Is um, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, da, 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 da. Hang on, I gotta click on it because I can't. Jim Jarmusch. <laughs> Jim Jarmusch would be amazing. Uh, no, uh, oh God, continue talking. I'm gonna get this in one second. Sorry. I'm literally forgetting every name associated with this dude. No, uh, Lars von Trier. Lars von Trier would do an excellent version mm, of this film, but it would yeah. be bleak as hell. In fact, I was thinking about Lars von Trier while watching this. Like, a lot of the technique is the same. It's just that Lars von Trier ultimately hates everyone. And there's no way for him to say what this movie is saying, except to make it about himself and how he hates everybody, uh, which is all of his films. And uh, whereas this one is the opposite emotionally. Uh, so he could make something that would be very effective, but he would make the reverse film, which he's done many, many times. Right. Yeah. I, that, that's with all respect to his movies, which I like quite a bit. I think he's a tremendous filmmaker. I just, you know, I think that he's, he's got one more turn around the karmic wheel before he makes something truly great. Huh. What other Schnabel films do you guys like? Uh, Before Night Falls. Yeah. Basquiat, Before Night Falls. Yeah. Yeah. Basquiat's good too. Like that quite a bit. Before Night Falls is the first time I ever saw um, Javier. Javier Bardem. And he mm. knocked my socks off. What a movie. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful movie. And uh, that, like, I think that might, I would say, if you haven't seen that one, Chris, give that a shot just because, like, that has what this one doesn't. Okay. You know, it's a, it's a much more, it's a, it's a trickier, more complex movie um, about a tricky kind of guy, an interesting guy with a lot of layers. And, uh, and it's like, it has some, it has some sort of technical cleverness to it that I like and a lot of fourth wall breaking, but like, ultimately it's like a really deep character examination and uh, Bardem is heroically good. Right. And so I, I would say that this might be this might be satisfying to you in a way that it's Butterfly beautiful. is not. Yeah, it's a great film. Mm. I have not seen his movie about Israel Palestine, and I have not seen At Eternity's Gate. I started Eternity's Gate. Yeah, any good? Yeah, but it's not not this. It's not this. It's not quite that level. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I love Defoe. I watch Defoe and pretty much. Anything. Oh, we have to talk about 
uh, what's it called? The lighthouse one. What's it? Oh, the yeah. lighthouse. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. That one's fucking crazy. So it's going to be what? Live and die in LA, and then the it's lighthouse. lighthouse. Yeah, it's a perfect combo. <laughs> yeah, sort of is the perfect combo. Yeah, yeah. The I, lighthouse. The lighthouse is one Alan Park that it's about, it's about. It's <laughs> about isolation as well. That's pretty <laughs> that's freaking. <laughs> which one? That's that's a perfect combo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would died. definitely say. Who died? What? Parker. Alan Parker. No, Alan Parker didn't direct that one. He, or Mississippi Burn. Oh, Mississippi. Yes, he did. I'm sorry, Mississippi Burn. Yeah, he just died. Yeah. No, he. I. I. Wilfred uh, Brimley. Uh, Wilfred Brimley. Yes. Died today. Yes, that was sad. I got that news at like one o'clock in the morning, and I had to tweet about it. Was that on your oatmeal chat group? It is. Yeah, it's true. And uh, like that dude, like it's, I know that he's famous for the diabetes, et cetera. Diabetes. Yeah. But the, uh, but I, I've, I, I, even if you take out the thing, which he is. Oh, he was so Unbelievable. Good. He was so good. Like unbelievably good. Like I would love this good dude just for uh, playing uh, Jack Lemon's best friend in China syndrome. Yes. Which uh, is a- also yes. he's good in the, the Tom Cruise one, the um, firm. Oh yeah, that's right, the firm. That's right, it's the firm. Yeah, he's no, he's definitely a, he's just I, right. Yeah, the thing is, like, he gets mocked for being a spokesman for bi- diabetes. Diabetes, but, but, but he was also in Our House, right? He was, was, a, that he was the, also the show. A, oh, he was an oatmeal spokesman. He was the Quaker oatmeal spokesman. Quaker oatmeal. Quiet, spokesman. No, that's right. Yeah, come on, Chris, yeah. know your yeah, spokesman. Okay. <laughs> He's hey, right I was living in Athens when that was going on, so I only got you know one month at a time as I would come vacation in New York. He had the same sort of like instant trustworthiness as uh, what's the Western Ned actor Bader. Sam, um, the cowboy actor from a uh, big. Oh, Sam Elliott. Sam yeah. Elliott. Like, yeah. Anytime you see Sam Elliott talk, you're like, I guess he's right. <laughs> I met him. You, you met Erica. You and I both met Sam Elliott. Remember Sam that? Amazing. I love Sam Elliott. Weren't no. you with me? Yeah, because he was in Ghost Rider. Where did we meet him? He, so he came to the he came to one of our daily sessions to check it out, and he showed up with his daughter, and his daughter was like freaking hot, a really <laughs> really attractive woman, and she and we were like, who the hell is that? Clearly not a visual effects artist. Um, and then all of a sudden he walked behind it and he does like, he gave us a little talk and was like, this is looking really great guys. And then he had that, he has that Sam Elliott. That's horse. it. He's always doing it. Yeah. That's, that's him. So good. You know where Sam Elliott was really good. I mean, obviously he was great in Big Lebowski Mask. too. Uh, no, I was going to say, uh, thank Dark. you for smoking. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's true. It was good. He played the Marlboro man. Remember? <laughs> like it was like, you could not have picked a better Marlboro man. Yeah, he, no, I first pretty... was introduced to him in, in Mask when he played Gar. All right. Cher's husband. I did not remember this. Garth or Guard? Garth? Something. Sounds about right for a Samuel. Come on, Garth. Yeah, that was, is, what's his name, terrific. who I love so much? That's, uh, Do you that's have a... to use so many curse right? words? The, the Everywhere right. waiting. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking Bogdanovich. about? Bogdanovich. Yeah, that's Bogdanovich. It matches Mask and Bogdanovich with um, uh, Eric Stoltz. And, Eric uh, Stoltz. Um, I want to share, and I want to say, um, uh, what's her name from uh, Wild at Heart, right? Oh, Laura Dern. Isn't that Laura Dern in that? Yeah, she remember. plays the, the his friend. She's yeah. blind. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Man, oh man, she's great. 
I've, I've, yeah, like Laura Dern in, uh, I first saw her in Sweet Talk, which is, or Smooth Talk, uh, with uh, Treat Williams. And, uh, oh, and yeah. Championing, championing her ever, ever since. She's done well for herself. I'm very proud. <laughs> she's a great, she's one of my favorite actors ever. Absolutely fantastic. Yep. Treat Williams, whatever happened to him, though? Love that guy. I don't know. What happened to him? Is he still alive? He's still, he's got it. Yeah, but he does TV. I just haven't seen too much with him. Treat Williams. Who's Treat Williams? Prince of the City. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good actor. Yeah, he's the the Onion Fields? No. No. Uh, That is, let's see. Ted Danson's in the Onion. Uh, Yeah, yeah, James Woods. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, no, Treat Williams was. um, One one second. Oh, thank you so much. I had food suddenly delivered to me. And it looks delicious. Um, yeah, no, he's still working. He's yeah, he's got like three things in production. He's fine. Treat's fine, everybody. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Don't worry about treat. He's okay. Yeah. All right. Don't worry about treat. <laughs> yeah, his big run was let's see, Prince of the City. Uh, uh, once upon a time in America. Prince of the City. Not the uh, minute, but what's his name? Uh, don't yeah, say no, it. Don't say it. It's, um, okay. Who? Pacino's a uh, Panic and Needle Park director. Do I know? Yeah. Yeah, that is. Um, uh, Lumet. Lumet, yeah. That's right. Bam. Yep. God bless. Oh. Yeah, man. Bed sores. <laughs> I'm just sore. You know, it's not, it's not right now. I'm not getting bed sores. Uh, I actually, it's, you think it's. Uh, I end up getting really sore from fishing because I end up walking for like three miles and casting the whole time and standing. So I think when you're like, when you're walking, you know, for like two, three hours and you're walking up and down the beach and you're looking for fish and you're casting and stuff like that. And I think uh, you don't realize how much you're working, especially when you're in the waves and doing stuff. So I suppose that's Did true. you run into that producer? What producer? <laughs> we joked in the last one about that producer. Ooh. Dan and I are about that producer who wants to make a fishing movie. Oh, no, I didn't run into that guy. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was clearly, like, clearly there's a guy, like, there's always a guy who looks like he's a big Hollywood producer and he's walking up down the beach with his, you know, AirPods on and, like, sounds like he's making deals, you know, with his cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's the way to do it, though. He's just running. He's he's looking for fish movies to make, and he knows yeah, that's he the is. place. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That Do you remember sense. the time <laughs> we we? I think Eric, you might have been at DD at the time. There was the guys who were working in the. Oh gosh, where was it? Uh, they were well. It was during day after tomorrow. But anyway, there's a bunch of guys working at, uh, who were all the Houdini guys, and they decided because you know everything is so casual at DD. Uh, there's no casual Friday, so they decided to make a suit Tuesday, and they all showed up in suit. It was all all the Houdini guys showed up in suits on one day, and it just confused the hell out of everyone. It's like, what the hell's going on? Um, <laughs> and so they um, they decided to play a gag, suit and they Tuesday. and they they grabbed uh, they grabbed a, a like a, a used script or something like that from the uh, from one of production offices. And uh, they went to the Novel Cafe, which is a cafe in, in, in Venice that 
is known for being a library where a lot of you know aspiring scriptwriters would end up hanging out at the novel cafe you know on their laptops writing what they think is going to be the next Citizen Kane. Um, and anyway, so these guys were showing, they were wearing a suit and he's hold, holding the script and he's on his cell phone pretending to be on a call. It's like, I'm tired of this damn dribble. It's always the same freaking movie. I want something fresh. I don't care who the writer is. Give me some new ideas, something data poppers, whatever. <laughs> and he's like slams this like script down on the counter at the coffee shop. And he's just like, everyone's looking around like print, 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 print. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> I think you yes. told me that. That's really funny. I've heard that story before. I have been that guy at the novel. <laughs> the novel cafe. Yeah, I've, I've definitely been that dude. Yeah. <laughs> I will be again. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, it's not, you know, obviously, it's not the best script that gets and gets end up being picked. Clearly. Yeah. Because <laughs> no. we, we see what's on the screen. Yeah. yeah. No, there's some other decision-making process that I'm not entirely familiar with that doesn't yeah. have to do with quality. That <laughs> has nothing to do with quality. It has to do with what's going to sell tickets. So, Are uh, you guys already yeah. seeing kind of where the Hollywood shift is going to go, or is it still too early? Uh, well, I, it's too early, I think. But it's, it's going to happen. I mean, I think there's certain irrational decisions that are being made mm -hmm. right now. But there there is a lot of truth to the decisions being made it just they're not they're misguided a little bit you know virtual production adult animation all that stuff so we'll see um but yes there is there is there is going to be a shift i think the the days of going to amc theaters to see the next installment of star wars or marvel mcu film kind of probably has come to an end i agree do you, don't you think it's weird that because i would have said that i mean I, the, the, it was anyway. going downhill slowly <laughs> but this kind of put a nail in the coffin so mm. sorry go ahead Dan. no i was just gonna say it's like i think it's really when they look back at this period of time where i think there's gonna be a pretty clear line of here's the death of movie theaters right right um that it is right like that this you know this this horrible disease comes out of nowhere and decimates the entire business. Um, and it's right after, um, you know, Marvel produces this like 23 film mega cycle, uh, yeah. that everyone was dependent upon to make theaters work. Uh, star Wars essentially half collapses. So there's that doesn't work anymore. Uh, and, uh, uh, and you have like one, like, a last film by Quentin Tarantino about how movies are essentially dead. <laughs> right. I was like, wow, that's weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that yeah. sounds like we're in a movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty interesting that that all, that all happened. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, the thing is like the, we, I mean, we've talked about it forever. Like the movie theater system was dying. We knew that. Right. So it's not like it's not like it just took us by surprise. I think what was interesting though is like Disney. Disney was interesting because right. Disney seemed to be very diverse. So even if the movie theater system was dying, Disney diversified itself in other ways, right? Right. It diversified. They diversified itself and but all the diversification is in theme parks and cruise ships. 
Right. Which basically like their weak point was crowds, right? right. <laughs> which right. was basically the one thing you can't have. Yep. Uh, you, you can't, you can't, when well, you can't even make a movie right now. They're in still the in trouble, they are aren't using... they? Because they have a lot of debt. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not going to, I don't know how it's going to go for them because yeah, the, the, the themes, parks and all that stuff. Right. And the thing is, apparently they can't, they're, they furloughed a bunch of people or they, they, they can't even furlough a bunch of people because the theme parks, they have to have everyone ready to go the second that they're allowed to open up again. Right. Yeah. So they can't just let go of all those people and rehire because th it takes a long time to train someone for the theme park. Right. Right. So they can't just let go of a bunch of people and then try to hire because to get it back up and running would take months of training yeah. people. Yeah. So, Goofy's got to be ready to go. Yeah, so it's just kind of like so visual I, effects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I, I mean, I don't really know, but but the thing is, like, Pixar can still operate. Sure. Disney Animation can still operate. So they they that's like different. I wonder I wonder if they're thinking of because we brought up uh, like a, adult animation and stuff like this, which I do believe that like some form of that's got to take if this keeps on going, like someone's going to take some stabs at this to see if it works oh everyone's doing that right well everyone says they want to do that right, right. because they they're like well we can't make you know action shows or dramas anymore the traditional way so how about we do it as an animation mm -hmm. right right that's the problem they're trying to solve the problem by taking an antiquated system and just adding another twist to it Right, the, right. When it's the same really, as the, the VR movies problem. You're like you're, you're like you're yeah, doing. There's two exactly, different things. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, it, like things. except you know that's a thing, right? Right. Um, and so, yeah. Anyway, well, I think it's interesting. Question. Like, because I mean, <clears throat> I think I brought it up before, but like, my um, pardon me, my youngest son um showed me a YouTube uh show. Like, it's you know, it's like a comedy, uh, animated comedy show. Right. Yep. Um, and it is, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty funny and engaging and the characters I mean, like the character acting is good and all the stuff. The animation is like, a, maybe a, a, just a hair to the right of PowerPoint. Like it's right. not even, like, it's not even like counting frames. And, you know, sometimes like if you're into animation, like, you know, you talk about whether you're doing full 24 or you're doing on the, you know, on, like on certain numbers of frames, like on right. sixes or whatever it is. Um, and this is like, there are long conversations between characters yeah. where nothing, not only nothing, like the, put it this way, the thing that is animated, for instance, there's four people talking as they're walking through whatever, some kind of space, like a mall or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it is a top-down map of the mall with square markers with the pictures of the characters' faces on them sliding across the map. Right. Like, that's it, right? But and, isn't it interesting that they're like, well, I'm just going to do it as cheaply as possible to get the point across. Right. The dialogue mm -hmm. is the most important thing. And the right? dialogue is the most important thing. It's the right. performance and the dialogue that, that is and what is... And the delivery. And, yeah, and the delivery. Like, so right. that's, that's what's catching, right? Audience. And and so like it's the it is the uh it's the editing it's the delivery uh the, by the actors and it's the quality of the writing um yeah. that leverages the fact that it's incredibly lo-fi to make that itself funny well like i meant dr cats also like dr cats exactly great great call like dr cats like 
that's like that's I think what people should be thinking of. Like, you know, like that's something you could literally produce at home. One person could do that. I think what I was saying about delivery was the delivery of the system. YouTube. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. Yeah. That whole, that whole thing. I watched a guy and I know you guys know about him and Chris, we've talked about it before. The guy that does that, um, Rober does that, um, um, package steel bomb, glitter bomb. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really good. And he did one where there's the squirrel trap. The squirrel trap. Yeah, the squirrel the yeah. squirrel thing. And I'm like, he's really charming on camera. He's yeah. really smart. It's shot it's a, it's like a television show. And I'm watching oh, it with We my watched daughter. the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It I was watch great. it with my family. And I'm like, that's pretty much doing it himself. Yeah, absolutely. And, look, All that and stuff. it's great content. Yep. I mean, it's this really is good. The, and it's gotten twenty thing, it's million like, views or something crazy right, like that. This is the, 42.5. 42, 42 million views. Yeah. 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 That is the, like, there's a, like, people have to, you know, I think that when we talk about people in VFX and like our concept of what is uh, good content, you know, like often has to do with the, the, the high quality of the animation or the rendering. And I think if you want to be in business doing this stuff, you have to relax that a little bit uh, sometime in the next year. Like, well, Yes. Okay. So for example, I remember having a conversation with uh, uh, a friend of ours who's, uh, shall we say, extraordinarily picky about visual effects. So I think you guys all know who I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. right? Like very, very picky about how Mm -hmm. everything needs to look. And he was complaining how how terrible Thor Ragnarok VFX was, right? And I was like, yeah. I mean, it wasn't great, but it's not the point. It was also awesome. <laughs> it was also an awesome film. Exactly. And he's like, but it's terrible. And it's like, and it was, you know, nominated. It was like, it was, you know, made the bake-offs or whatever. It's like, how can that even make? It's like, I think you're missing the point. Exactly. I think, well, <laughs> there's a, yeah. The same thing, I mean, yeah, the same thing with like, you know, uh, uh, some of the, 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 the in uh, Black Panther, there were extremely inconsistent visual effects. Extremely yes, inconsistent. Yep. And it was like a fantastic film. So, yeah, because the fact is, visual effects don't make your movie good. Nope. Like, that has nothing to do with it. You got to be making a good movie, and that's it. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, if it's nice when the visual effects are also good, mm-hmm. but for something like Thor Ragnarok, it doesn't even, like, making those more photorealistic gets in the way of the gag. Like, don't even, why are you doing that? Right. Like, just, like, it's it's funny. Like, this is the fact that it's, uh, that it's weird and 80s and kind of, you know, uh, janky is all part of the fun of the style of the film and they yeah. embrace that. And, uh, and I think that like, there's a, I, there's a couple of people that I have this running argument with, which is like, you know, I'm, I'm a matte painter and I've, I specialize in doing photorealistic stuff. Right. And uh, so I, I love the technique of photorealism. You know, I think it's marvelous, but it is only a technique. Like it doesn't, it isn't valid. It isn't more valid art because it's more accurate. Like, right. And, and the idea that, uh, like, because I've seen plenty of incredibly photorealistic, say, paintings, right, that I don't think are particularly uh, effective art. Like, they're not, like, it's just novel that they're realistic, which means your technique is amazing. But it, if the content of what I'm seeing doesn't activate me in some emotional way, then you've kind of blown it. 
Like there's mm-hmm. nothing you can say about that. And so like you can look at, that's why I can look at something like a Basquiat and be like, that's fucking amazing. And I can look at something that's not to pick on some other artists, but you know, like some photorealistic rendering of a whatever, you know, like a glass. I'd be like, well, it's a nice job, but I don't know what the art about it is. Like it's, that's just technical. And so I think that like for people in VFX where we specialize in being hyper-technical and, um, and aiming for standards like photorealism, mm. it can be difficult to trans tr- uh, like to transition your mind into focusing on something else that might be important. Like, is this funny? <laughs> like, right. is this doing what it's supposed to be doing? Right. I, I think that's an important thing. I think some people forget about that in art and especially now in creative stuff. Cause I see some of the stuff when I go to THU is people get up, get obsessed about how technically they are good. That's something right. what they do and right. they forget about actually making a subject that makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's something I sort of love about Ian Spriggs's work, for example. Is oh yeah. Because Great Ian, Ian is wonderful. Technic- yeah. He's a fabulous technical thing because it looks completely photoreal in terms of right. the characters doing, but he's trying to capture the actual yeah. person. There's, a, there's still an, uh, there's still a, then this is a piece of art. Right. Know? Yeah, you know, like that's that's what's happening. And if the thing is, like, if his stuff was simply photographs, like it would still be a beautiful photograph. Like right. this is a beautiful work of art that he's captured, right? right. And uh, and the, like the fact that he's gone about it in a totally different way adds a different flavor to the experience. But well, it's a great it, image, no matter what you know. Like it, emotionally, it, it's, I connect with it. It what's true again, and I, I have, I've seen this in his work because I'm I'm very close with Ian. The thing that's that he the 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 portrait that comes out because he takes a ton of photographic reference right but the picture he comes out is not of a specific photograph that he copied it's a conglomeration of all the right. photographs right because right? he's found all the pieces that make that happen including stuff from his own memory of that person right so that person becomes uh is not actually photoreal <laughs> in the sense that it's from a photograph right the yeah. person is the expression of what he remembers as that person, right? right? Well, it's like what you were saying before, where it's like, you, like most of your memories are false. Right. You know, your memory is actually an amalgamation of your emotions and other imagery and uh, samplings from whatever the thing is that you were remembering. And that's why you can remember things that weren't there. Or you can remember people saying things they didn't say and all that stuff, right. but it all feels emotionally true. And when you produce a piece of art that feels emotionally true, it's going to look more real than photorealism. Right. Like, cause it carries something with it. And that's, that's the scene. That's where, that's the zone he is in. Right. You know, and I really like, I look at this art and I'm just like, that's just that, that really works. And like, right. regardless of the fact that he, it's also technologically stunning. Yeah. Well, I was talking about it with, when I was talking to Phil Hale about portraiture and stuff, who's, mm-hmm. you know, he's a fantastic painter. One of my well. fa- very favorites. Yeah. And so I was talking to him about it and he was like, you know, he was, he, he's too much about like, letting the the canvas because he's a traditional traditional painter like letting the canvas build and build and build and build Mm -hmm. and build like every stroke is a repercussion of what you're doing right Mm -hmm. so you can't sit there and he's he's like you know screw you know uh control z is bullshit you know basically yeah just keep piling it on man keep doing it so so that's the thing right so every so that's also another thing that's kind of an an important thing Yeah. yeah i don't i don't really I think a lot of people get obsessed. If I, 
I mean, I, I joke about it when I go to ArtStation, and ArtStation is one of the biggest websites on the internet right now, which is insane to think about that. It's like, oh, it's really? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's in the top 200 websites or top 300, something crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but like, ArtStation is like, it is. I, I jokingly call it the 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 chicks with swords uh, <laughs> website, right? Right. Everyone's doing the same thing. Like it's always like, come on, like yeah. find a voice, be an artist, right? And right. so right now, I, I don't. I go to ArtStation because I know a lot of people have stuff on ArtStation. It's really great, but it's hard to sift through the the chicks with swords. Chris, right? how do you know Phil Hill? How? Yeah. Uh, he was uh, at THU. Yeah, his stuff's great, dude. Oh, he's incredible. Yeah, One of yeah, my very favorite artists. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, he's he's been on my podcast. <laughs> oh, dude, that guy's yeah, he's stunning. Like, he has so much energy and uh, physical emotion in his paintings. It's yeah. like nothing I've ever seen. He really did the incredible. official portrait of Tony Blair, I think. No kidding, really? Yeah. yeah. God, he's incredible. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he's got it all, that guy. Man, oh, man. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a very good... good He's very good. He's very good. But yeah, and like in terms of like like what to do, uh, you know, in terms of personal production for COVID nineteen and where people are going and how the industry is changing, I'm just like, I think it's a good time to think about diving bell of the butterfly <laughs> because yes, like that's, it's time that's to get flexible. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, it's time to say I got to rethink how I'm doing things completely. We like we've been saying we all know that production was had to change. And now it's just, since we're at this point, let's just recalibrate now instead of just going into this panic mode and trying to find a solution, right? right. Like, this is your opportunity to redefine how we look, how, how entertainment's made. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, fi and, and, and find and your own voice in that. Because right? you know what? The, the, not, it's, not just, it's not just that the system has, needs to change and has changed the attitude the audience has changed too everyone in the on the planet has a different perspective oh, yeah. on life and this. Yeah, we uh, talked about right that. now marvel films are not a priority to them anymore and they probably won't be anymore right yep, yep. well it's like i you know it's like what i said in the, the uh our uh the other podcast that i was on uh just recently yeah um uh, uh oh what, what what was it just to remind people in case oh yeah it's uh, a uh, a damn fine cup of culture uh nice a, a, a european podcast that invited me on to talk about steven soderberg and this incredible time um and uh super super sweet people and we and we talked about uh i believe it's on there uh, they, we we talked about uh the avengers films like i'm really like i really like the avengers films i think they're really good and they're really really fun and a couple of them are really great you know, um, but at a certain point, you have to make Thor Ragnarok because uh, everything else is so you've set a sort of a standard that becomes dull, you know, that it's sort of like, you know, like, and I don't mean to be super critical, but it's sort of like it's the high end, uh, everything's acceptable vision of entertaining film, you know, right. and they do it extremely well, but it also sort of at, at its worst becomes easily it turns into mediocre stuff because it's all just trying to play it safe essentially. But when you come to, when like you, you come to the end of that cycle, you have to make Thor Ragnarok to keep it interesting. Like now we're even beyond that aspect. Like right. people don't want the standard mediocre. Um, everyone agrees on it stuff anymore. 
and uh, it's such an, a massive opportunity to uh, to speak as an artist because you now have not only do you have more tools available than ever before, uh, and not only do you have more channels to deliver it with, but uh, you have uh, everybody is thirsty for something new. Right. You know, it's like you, if you got something to say, like everybody is open to new shit right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's going to, and it's not going to last forever. It's, it's one of these windows. Well, the problem is no one really knows. No one really knows how it's going to take place. Yeah. Right. Right. They don't know. Well, they also don't know the, (laughs) the whole business model of the entertainment industry has gotten, it's, so really messed up. So there's a lot of very, uh, there's a lot of very expensive middlemen that are going to be without a job. <laughs> I think they just this has already started started to happen last yeah. week. CAA. Yeah. Yeah. 300 people down from CAA. Yeah. That's yeah. So, so, so people out there that are, that are, that are making deals with theater systems and distributors and blah, 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 blah. That's all gone. Yep. So, you know, Netflix yeah, like, is even saying, hell, we'll just do the VFX here and just don't cut out all the other crap. <laughs> yeah, this is the, I mean, we mentioned it before, but it's like the, like Netflix is trying to do, is going to be doing this sort of like, like what sounds like a networked uh, visual effects. Uh, They're quitting the infrastructure. Yeah. Right. So basically anyone can start, can, can work within their infrastructure. Right. Which I really thought was going to happen with Marvel. I thought Marvel mm-hmm. was going to start this. So because if you look at like take one of the Avengers films, they have like 25 different visual effects houses working on that thing, right? right. And asset sharing and translation and all that stuff is a pain in the ass and probably very expensive. Probably one of the reasons, one of the big reasons why that, you know, added 50 to a hundred million dollars just dealing with asset translation. Right. Exactly. You know, and just read or redoing the work multiple times because different studios are doing similar things. Right. Absolutely. And so if they basically had a centralized cloud system that everyone shared on into it, and instead of hiring 28 different studios, by the way, the reason they hire 28 different studios is to hedge their bets. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. In case one of the studios goes down, which happens so often with bankrupt yeah. studios, they still have 27 yeah, but here's other Here's the deal with that, work. too. The person, there was a woman that ran the Marvel side. Yeah. And Victoria Alonso. Yeah. I've, I've just, I'm going to refrain from saying uh, what the general opinion I've heard about her. So yes. as if they are. Going, every, no, well, they hold, are, on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. The, I the public Chris. opinion talk- is that she's wonderful. <laughs> okay, Chris. I, what I'm saying is I worked on one of those films as yeah. at least somebody approached me and I worked from home on a film doing some stuff for them. And I had a deal with an Indian company that was yeah. working for them. And they basically um, wanted the credit. So they basically took, you know, a 50 cent hit for every dollar because they right. wanted it. And there were countless, I count, it's probably four or five other firms doing the exact same thing. Right. They allowed that. That's not the kind of behavior that creates no. infrastructure. They but basically that all of them are doing that. Yeah, it's the no. race to the bottom idea, and it yeah, doesn't work. Yeah, that's what they were doing. <laughs> it work. And nasty as shit, and yeah. they were not very nice, and they pushed people to the brink, and they didn't care. It was pure arrogance, and it was I actually know. the culmination of all the bad shit from visual effects in the past 20 years. Uh, that, into that, that woman. Yes, I understand. Because, so that is because not the starting of an infrastructure. 
I, no. I never saw Marvel as anything except crap after that, after dealing with them. Because I talked to the Indian people and yes, I could see what's they do going that. on. And, they, and, and everyone wants to do a Marvel film, so of course they're going to do that. And the fact is, like one of the studios, I know one of the studios messed up and they lost their Marvel contract. And this is a major, major studio mm-hmm. because they, they were arrogant and they thought they would be fine. And uh, they lost their Marvel contract and they had to let go of a ton of people. Because that's the only films that require that size firm is for Marvel, right? So you don't you don't shit where you eat. But at the same time, Marvel like says everyone's replaceable, right? Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. Because like, the thing is that like I think that our, Marvel is a, is a, is an amazing bit of production. You know, like all the the Marvel films is taken as one big movie, like that's never been done before. And so like they have a, they have a production, a creative production mindset that I really admire at that level, right. you know, and uh, which is essentially what it is like to be a great showrunner or something like that for TV. Like you're, sure. you're, you're focused on uh, long-term consistency uh, of product. And I think that's totally amazing, but it is, it is not an artist friendly experience, <laughs> no. you know, um, because I was a part of one of the Marvel films and it was difficult to work on. Um, and, and it's a movie that I liked, but it's, but it, it was hard to do. And the, um, and, the, and there was no artistic satisfaction in working on it. And I'm glad that I feel like audiences have also reached the end point of that experience. Like it's nice. We it's, hope so. Yeah. I, I feel, no. I feel like, Oh, at very you, least you said it earlier, Chris, like Marvel is not what I'm telling you. I I'd said, I, I really think it's going the other way. I'm not saying pure schnabel, but I, it's, it's somewhere between that no, this, PowerPoint this is what I'm, thing. That's what I, mean. I don't think yeah, people will miss I mean. it if it goes away. I don't, I'm not going right. to say that people don't want it anymore, but if it right. went away, people wouldn't care. Okay, because yeah, I think we're all saying the same thing. Because I think that the like people are particularly oh, – this is like in the 90s when, when suddenly we're, people were just open to indie film. You know, like Sex, Lies, and Videotape comes out and proves itself to be a possible moneymaker. And then everybody's just in the right, the audiences are just in the right mood to experience some new stuff. And you have this massive creative boom for low budget stuff. And that Mm -hmm. lasted for about six or seven years. And it's great. You know, and then we went back to big studio nonsense again. And I love big studio nonsense. It's nice. It's fun. And I like the Marvel films, for instance. But like in terms of this moment, like, I think that people, you know, like, I don't think, I think it's gonna be difficult to get someone to go to the theater, period, uh, let alone just get them to go see another Marvel film, which they've already seen and they know the flavor of. Right. You know, like, put that shit on Netflix, sure. Like, people, if you make Captain America 8 for Netflix, it'll be the biggest thing on Netflix. But if you put that out in a theater, like, you're not gonna get 10 cents. Like, I don't think that that's gonna work. And it, people should exploit the fact that people, audiences, are looking for the next thing to fall in love with, which means they're, they're sort of qualitative standards on a photorealism level or a comfort level but, are different. But we don't really know the reality of any of the stuff on streaming, right? Because yeah, there's like, no numbers. There's no the numbers Bird Box or whatever the hell came right. out and everyone's like, more people saw that movie than anyone else. It's like, do, do we really know that? I mean... I and, re- and also, what, what does it really mean? Because what you're does not that buying mean? tickets. Yeah, exactly. Well... Uh, you oh you guys have to listen to this podcast series. Okay, so there's a podcast series called um, uh, uh, Land of the Giants, mm-hmm. and uh, season one was all about Amazon and how Amazon sort of dominated all that stuff. 
season two that just is, is just come out uh, is all about Netflix and the story of Netflix and how oh wow yep. and how it happened, how they killed Blockbuster, the, all the details of that story, and then obviously like you know the fact that the the new co CEO of of uh, of Netflix is the guy who, the, the content guy right right uh, and he famously basically bought house of cards for a hundred million dollars yeah without asking permission to do so <laughs> there you go <laughs> he basically said i just he went to his boss and said i just bought house of cards for a hundred million dollars and you know the check has been signed it's already cashed and they're like great like and it and it's just about the way their culture works that it makes it very very interesting mm-hmm. they're a very you guys should listen to it. It's it's yeah, it both sounds it. fascinating and totally terrifying about how, I, I, how Netflix really is like, run as a company. Yeah, I listened to the um, the first season of Land of Giants and uh, the the Amazon stuff was great. Yeah, uh, I would definitely am more interested in the Netflix, Netflix side. Yeah. Oh, I want to hear how that goes down. Yeah, because like I think that they are like they could go either way. You know, in the next five years. You know, uh, like. They're they got a good foothold right now. It's true. They've got a good foothold. There's plenty of competition out there, so it doesn't you know it keeps keeps the content fresh. Right. But but you know they they've got it's it's not just you you don't have Netflix necessarily just because if you get a new TV, let's say, or you get a new Apple TV or whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. Netflix is automatic. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Disney Plus, maybe, right. you know, or Hulu, Amazon Prime. Well, I already got Prime, so I'm going to put Amazon Prime on there, right? right. But Netflix is automatic. You're going to have Netflix, right? And most remotes come with a Netflix button on it now. Right, right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Just, just, that's just the thing. Well, right? I think what gives, me, what gives me hope in those guys is the fact that they, they are considering things like this network VFX solution. Like, right. I'm like, that is a big swing. Like, that's like, we're going to change the way we do business about this in a huge way. Yeah, I don't think they really have a choice, though. So they're kind of yeah, so like, seeing like, we're screwed if we don't jump on this. Exactly. Because- but think of the companies that are in that position, and then they try to pretend like they're not screwed, which is right. all the time. You know, it's just, no, we're going to keep on investing in, in chemical development of film. Right. <laughs> okay, guys. <laughs> Probably right. not a good idea. But right. I Net- mean, it's basically it's- acted on it is, is a big deal. You know, yeah. I mean, basically, like, I I think basically, like, you know, Warner Bresner, Warner Brother, and Disney, and Paramount, and 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 Universal, and all those guys, you know, they they were coal mining for forever, and then suddenly Netflix came along and says, "We've discovered, you know, solar power," and they're like, yeah. "Oh crap, we got to build some solar power." But well, if, we, if yeah. the effects doesn't, they they need the programming. So if the effects is not solved. Uh, well, this uh, is here's my here's my suggestion to you is like the it isn't the fact that it's just VFX. Like I like the fact that they did it because I didn't say it was just VFX. Oh, just well, to clarify. Like, oh yeah, I no, didn't I just say that. No, what no, I'm, I'm saying is is that that is a cog in a wheel. They need content. Right. So my and, answer, my answer to that right is the content can also be done this way. Like the mindset of saying you can network this stuff and create independent groups that are flexible. Like you can apply that to say uh, writers' rooms, you can apply that to yes. production, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the fact that they that they went for this when they saw that it was necessary gives me hope that that is their that's a larger scale mindset change than they are letting on. Yes, but my point, I guess, is what I'm saying is that it's not this. They don't have a, a choice, man. They're Absolutely. fucked. If they, if they, right. They're fucked if they don't act now. 
So yeah. they're sitting around spitballing 1,000 ideas, and this piece of spaghetti stuck on the wall. I don't yeah. think they're visionary in any which way. They just basically said, we need content, and these are the infrastructure problems we're going to arise in, in 8 to 12 months. And this right. is the solution. So why don't we just early adapt and say, we'll just get everybody being friendly rather than be Marvel. Yeah, but why else, why else did, why, why didn't the other studios do it then? Because, Netflix just did it. Yeah, because I mean, we Netflix all knew is, didn't that need to be done, right? Yeah, but Netflix also produces stuff on their own. They're going to see a huge, they're just saying, we see an infrastructure problem. We've been making films for this long. And right. Apple Studio has been making films for X amount of years. They just jumped on this bandwagon and said, look, we already have an infrastructure. We already right. have this, this, and this, and this is going to kick us in the ass. Whether Amazon announced that or not, I actually think Amazon could kick ass on all of that because they have the cloud. Right. And Netflix is on Amazon, Amazon. cloud. Yep. Right. So in the end, it's really, Amazon could be working on a whole solution slash shotgun slash I work from anywhere slash get shows done. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, and without a doubt. They, they, I, they, I already think they're doing that. It's just Netflix right. was vocal about it. But everyone's well, scared. And everyone knows that in a year, you know, when they start running Smoking the Bandit 3, you know, right. the bloopers, you know, special edition, they're gonna, people are going to start canceling. Man, I I could watch the, I well, could the watch four is, hours of those bloopers to be honest. The thing that's the <laughs> thing that's different. The thing that's different about Netflix is uh, uh, it. Uh, sorry, I'd lost my train of thought. Well, let me jump in for a second because I, okay. I just want to say Netflix like, also has an enormous amount of debt. Well, it's true, but the thing is, like, what, like, whatever, like, I'm, I'm not a champion for Netflix. I don't give a shit if it's Netflix that does it. Like, uh, like Netflix can do it or not do it, or be motivated by greed or fear or good fear. planning or That's whatever. That's my point. It's fear, right? It's well. The thing is, like, it doesn't matter to me whether it's fear. Like, I don't the, think it's fear. Like the the, but oh, it doesn't absolutely. It doesn't fear. like what whatever the reason. Absolutely fear. It, the, I whatever, disagree. I know you disagree, reason, but that's what, how we all wait, work right let, now. Let me say. Let me say that the whatever the reasoning is doesn't matter. Like, and it doesn't matter that it's Netflix or it's Apple. What does matter is that it's happening. Like someone made that decision and it's big. And if that is out there as an idea of how we can change the business, then there is a giant opportunity to change it in uh, the creative favor. And that's what okay. I'm excited but, about. But that's also, it just started. So the proof is in actual, actual the creation of it. So Absolutely. right now, if you try to enter and log in, if you try to, if me as an independent artist, mm -hmm. I think I have to put my, I have to have my own company in order to log into that, get into the blogs. Mm -hmm. So already there's a loophole, right? It's not artists can sign up and get part of this community and build in. It's existing companies. If you sign well, yeah, up I agree it. with you. Companies so, are not going to do that half. Artists can do that half. Yeah, but though. artists can't do that right now. Is what right I'm now, Netflix doesn't allow for that, right? They but don't that's because for that. they can't. But they can't get a bunch of freelancers just to work. Oh, on I, I realize that. Stuff. But right. even just to explore the blog and find out what this community could be and the potential of right. it, mm -hmm. I think a lot of what they just did was just mere PR bullshit as a way to show that we're being progressive and trying to prevent our sip shinky ship sinking in nine months mm -hmm. and it was self self-serving and the other thing is is that i honestly getting back to it i think all these guys are in fear because they're content content subscription no one's working no subscriptions content isn't being made i totally agree with you and, and like that's the and and like, the that's thing, they, what can, is the quickly, they can say 
we're going to build this community. Until I see that community, I don't believe it. Right. So this is my, like, what, what I mean to say is that they are not going to make the community we want, but we have the ability to make the community that they need. Does that but, make sense? Yes, but like, you can't that's what I'm at. But the initial thing, I tried to sign up for it a month ago, and I have to be like this registered company in order to get even to the blog. Sure. They're trying to keep it on their terms. Absolutely. But that, uh, if you go, but just by saying like, they're afraid, that's good. Like that gives us as artists and creatives I leverage. Afraid. I don't think like, they're afraid. And I've got, uh, it's, it's dude, very different. You it's don't think different. Hollywood's afraid right now? Oh, Hollywood's afraid. Netflix yeah. is not afraid. Netflix is afraid. I don't think they're afraid. Yeah. Okay. Chris, you can say that and just keep repeating it over and over again. But sorry to be. But you could say that if you think no, no, they're no. afraid and keep repeating <laughs> no, no. it over and over again too. Chris, Chris, I, Chris, they carry a huge debt. They could lose. They're based on subscriptions. Half yeah. the country is not working. We are in COVID, and they don't have new material coming out. Yeah, like yeah but that's 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 not that, that that's, that's huge. That's the whole. They made model. they made way more money in COVID. <laughs> Showing made, stuff. Okay, but. After that, more people ed- subscribe to them because of COVID. Okay, Chris, when they are now out of work and they don't have new material to show, will they pay the next month's subscription? Yes, I tell you why. I tell you why. People I- don't watch new shows. What is the number one show? What was the yeah, number one show? Okay, so what is the number one show that was on Disney Plus when it came out? I don't know, Chris. I don't know. But you're talking about shows. I'm talking about psychologies of com- companies in Hollywood. Netflix the number is- one show that was on Disney okay. Plus was Simpsons. Okay, I know. But because, because what happens is you, you, go to the, you go to Disney Plus to watch The Mandalorian, and after you're done with The Mandalorian, then you just watch The Simpsons for hours and hours and hours. But that's and a lightning in a fucking bottle, Chris. That's like saying, I love listening to Stones music. It's like, yeah, that's The Stones. That's The Simpsons. That is, right. that is an outlier, Chris. That is not something you should be you know, throwing up on the chart. What I'm saying is Netflix is a Hollywood company now. And Netflix is going to have the same problems that CAA is having, that Disney is having, not as bad as Disney, but they have a debt. They're saddled with debt like Disney is. And they need to get subscriptions and new content. And they can't get new content right now. It's going to be a while. And everything in a year from now is a totally different world, particularly if this keeps going on. Well, so, they're, they're, they're not going after the American market anymore but the, because they've saturated that market. Okay. So, so they, they are, they, they're going after the other, they're going after the rest of the planet. I know, but the rest of the planet has got problems too, Chris. Okay. The rest of the planet relies not like, on. Okay. Not less bad as us. Right now, in this situation. And we could spend this for hours. I, I, I stand by what I say. Netflix is working in a world of fear. Extreme fear, just like every Hollywood studio. Because no one knows what they're doing. No one knows what's next. No one knows what people will like in eight months. Every, every studio reacted to be like Netflix. Every one of them. Disney reacted to Netflix. Right. No, Disney reacted to the fact that most of their money comes from entertainment companies. Right. But, from, but from they, Disney action. tried to be Disney tried to become Netflix by doing Disney Plus. That's their only it's by the way, and that's the only place they're making money right but now. But they started that before with Iger, before December, Chris. Yeah, I understand that. But but that there's but, the, but what I'm saying is the world's changed. It's COVID. We're right. in a COVID world. Everything but everyone, everyone's weeks. sitting there reacting to her towards what Disney, what, what Netflix did, right? 
Warner Brothers and Universal, whatever, I mean, they HBO Max, that is a reaction toward Netflix. Peacock, reaction towards Netflix. They're all trying to get into that market. Netflix did something different. They were ahead of the curve. And now they are a studio making movies, which they can't yes. shoot movies right now. Right. But that's, they're, they're yes. And there's, there is truth there to that. The so my question, that but I want they to don't, they don't want people is, to go to movie theaters. They just, they have plenty of content. Wait, so my question is who has the power right now? Uh, who has the power in, yes. in what the world entertainment in order to, in, in, in like, you know, who has the power to, to leverage it into being a system that favors them in, in the Hollywood studio system. Then in, in the entire, in the entire, uh, 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 economy of this problem, including everybody. Who is who is the one that has the leverage? Um, I, should, think, I should say ecology I, of this problem. Almost. I think everyone has got. I think the, the the fear of the unknown. When I say they're all scared, I think there's the fear of the unknown that has gripped every studio, everybody in Hollywood, and and even how we do jobs. Um, there's things that, and I actually think Netflix probably sees something I pointed out to somebody, like, it's not that I, I'm just saying, some people are talking about it, is that if, if Dan, you said it's eight months, like from shooting to get to the plate, right, in front of the effects artists, or what is that, six months? Yeah, it depends on the show. Yeah. Sure, yeah, but okay. it's, yeah, so it's in that ballpark, yeah. Okay, within that ballpark, what is the rate of people who, because of economic conditions, drop out or the level of artistry is gone or missing or there's a lot of migration going on right now there's a Absolutely. lot of, there's a lot of things that are the unknown in terms of infrastructure so right. i i think there's the fear of the unknown mm -hmm. um for all these studios because it's it's really there's no delivery system or the film you know the theater delivery system's gone i actually throw one more thing to to you guys and it sounds crazy it sounds totally crazy. We're in this really crappy situation right now, right? Dan? Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm with you. Yeah. What happens if it's, it's not crazy, the Three Gorges Dam has just been deformed. Right. Mm -hmm. What happens if that dam breaks? I'm not saying it is, I'm not a conspiracy. I'm just saying on July 26th, the dam deformed a certain degree enough to make everybody nervous. Oh, that's, mm -hmm. that's bad, yes. That's bad. Yeah. So just imagine just like all the technological companies downstream of that, besides the loss of life, besides COVID, right. the economical impact in terms of just everything. It's bad news. It's for bad. Sure. Right. I've never seen it like this. And when they, I think people, companies look at stuff like that, they're like, Jesus, we just have to, you know, get in the cellar and prepare for the worst. Right. And I think the real, I think the real, you know, next January, February, March, April is going to be a real weird time in Hollywood if it's still like this. Well, I think that the oh, I, I Eric, I 100 percent agree that that there's a lot of uncertainty and fear in Hollywood in general. Yeah, but I think that I think that that Netflix is in a better position. But once again, I. I don't actually, because from what I've read in the business papers, they have an enormous amount of debt, the service, just like a lot of Disney does. And they all leverage themselves to do that $100 million, you know, uh, 
Eric Roth show, what is it, House of Cards. Right. You know, they have enormous amount of debt obligations that will be that come due over the next 18 months. And so there's a lot of unknowns. Like Disney's in that. Disney's got like, what is it, five billion? Yeah, they're a lot of debt. They're well, a lot of debt. And so it could really it could really crush. Crush, crush, crush. But I think what Dan was talking about earlier is that that PowerPoint thing or that guy I was yes. talking with you about, Chris, the mm. rover guy. That looking at that, it's just like This I, is this is what I'm talking about, right? It's like I don't like that that the idea of networking creatives is out there. Whoever brought it out there for whatever reasons they brought it out there, it's out there. And that's an incredibly powerful concept. Right. Whether or not Netflix does it or is good at it or is trying to fuck you. It doesn't make any difference. So who, who, profit, who, who profits there though? YouTube profits there. YouTube. Right? Well, <laughs> and also specifically, I was going to bring up YouTube. Like YouTube is aggressive towards its creatives. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, sh- it's shitty to be a creator for YouTube because they it's try very to, nasty, very yeah, nasty like right now. They try to de- uh, uh, demonetize you demonetize, yeah. every goddamn turn. Right. But still there are more and more, creatives and creators every single day that are making names for themselves because they have they have the freedom but they're looking and at other the channels standards like, are different they're looking at twitch now and things like that absolutely and so it's changing right. twitch right so like right. like the, it doesn't matter what the platform is the mindset is what i'm interested in the mindset is extraordinarily pro artist right now mm-hmm. like that is the, like this vast gulf of need of people wanting content well, right. who's going to fucking fill that money bean, bean counter is going to fill that? No, creatives are going to do that. And right. we have the leverage more than ever before ever. Yes. We I do. always feel like, like Amazon is going to be, he's they're like that silently swimming shark that is basically going to pop up because they have an incredible infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all they have to do is, you know, hire a, <laughs> like, all the people from, you know, YouTube's Google and, uh, you know, it, the point is they can be lethal and, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden surpass Netflix because they just have this enormous amount of infrastructure and money. They yeah. just don't have an artist. They don't have a, you know, a facing profile of what you see in like Google. One of these companies, whether it's, whether it's Amazon or what or not, like they have to start being able to see the unbelievable power of what YouTube is essentially ignoring. Like YouTube is oh, trying yeah. to defund their creators. That's a giant mistake. That's but, why they're going to Twitch. But Chris just talked about it like earlier. The, that, like uh, the, the, pardon me. What you've mentioned earlier, the art station my daughter belongs to. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's it's the 200th most popular website in the world. That's right. That's awesome. Right, Chris? Right. That's the artist. That, this is the way that this stuff is going. And it's the way that it should go. Like mm-hmm. this is like this is like all and especially when you bring in like like everyone talking about like virtual production all this kind of stuff all this stuff puts power in creatives hands and there's a giant vacuum that needs to be filled that the problem means the problem is that, yeah, that's ours to fill the problem is that it's not that that culture is 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 toxic too because mm-hmm. the the YouTube culture and the and uh uh. uh art station culture and the sure. Facebook culture yeah, and brutal. the Instagram part culture. That's yeah. all about likes, right? Yeah, it's all, it's, and, it's and, poisonous. And it, I totally you, agree with you. And it, that's poisonous right. to, to people. So, so let's how many learn likes, how many views did you get? How many right. discs did you get? It's like, so, so, so let's learn from what is happening. Cause even with all that poisonousness, like it's still rocking it creatively. 
right? It's still happening. And how do we import that and organize right. that and network that so we have control of it again? Right. Because it's not like it hasn't happened before. It's just that we lo lose control every now and again. You know, yes. and this is a this is a very big window for this. And I think it's like I think that we we have been. It's like this is what happened when um when VFX fell apart when no one had unionized, right? It's right. like everyone's waiting for their turn at the lunch counter to get the fucking dollop of bad mashed potatoes. Like you have a garden. <laughs> why are you Why are you waiting on these guys? Right. Yeah. You know, like you're you're the one who's growing the shit. You're the well. Artist. It's true. It's true. And it, and the thing is, like like YouTube, for example, is but that it thrives on original content, good or bad. It's at yep. least a, you have to do something that is different that no yep. one's ever That's seen how before. It works. That's how it works. <coughs> so excuse me. Like, yeah, that rovers that. that rover guy show is so well produced. Absolutely. And he's yeah, so yeah. Done, he's well, so him, him and him and uh, learn 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 every day or learning something new every day. Yep, the other guys. Really good uh, stuff like that. That could be yeah. on regular television. It's so good. It's absolutely high production value stuff. Doesn't need, need right. a lot of people to work and on you, it. I watched it with my family last night. We're like, I watch, we're sitting around. I said, do you realize we're sitting around the television like we're watching Seinfeld? Right. But it's YouTube. And, and it's YouTube. Like you get the yeah, crazy like all the time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I know. Right. My, my kids watch YouTube. Like I know, but I just too. was thinking, looking at my daughter and I and my wife watching this, I was like, it just replaced network you know 20 years ago it was the network shows that we sit around and right. watch right. right now it's just a guy from i guess he's from orange county yeah right that's great like and, and you said like uh, uh, uh you know smarter every day all this stuff like these are shows like i wish that uh, broadcast television was as good as this stuff you know like it's, it's like the broadcast television dropped the ball and now they're fading out and now it's being filled by somebody by people who are just making this stuff and taking right. advantage of that and those guys are getting paid they're just not getting paid by youtube like they're getting paid by companies that fund them directly. Like the rover like guy is Bose. Yeah, Bose, exactly. He's so like they're cut, like they're cutting headphones? out the entire goddamn middleman of YouTube. Yeah. You know? Like YouTube wants to screw over the creators? Fine, I'll go get my money from Bose. Done. <laughs> well, there it is. And that's a lot more money. Right. Like that's how that's how creatives should think about the 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 the, the fucking uh, the the Buddhist void that's coming our way in terms of content for Netflix and everything else. I just had hey, speaking of which, speaking of YouTubers, who I had recorded on the podcast is Andrew Price. Do you know who that is, uh, Eric? How do I know that name? He's um, he's the Blender Guru. Uh, oh, I Blender like him. Yeah. I, I subscribe. So I, I had him on my podcast. I subscribe awesome. to him. It's great. What does he I say? Know. He's what is he saying? Anything? Well, he's basically talking about, we we're talking about how, you know, his persona, like how he got his persona and all that. And he's like, yeah, at first he said, you know, when I first started doing this, I was like, okay guys. So, uh, we're going to show you how to make some, uh, <laughs> fire in uh, blender. And, uh, so that's slowly, you know, slowly. Right. Goes. And, so, and then after that, he's like, <laughs> then I think I needed something else. And then he got for some reason. He saw some sales guy and goes, Hey guys, today we're going to do some fire in blender. There's and he's like, and that was terrible. I've been and now he's like just himself, you know, there's yeah, a guy exactly. I've been watching is a VFX guy. He does the most creative blender, uh, kind of after effects nuke stuff. Yeah. And I don't even think he's in California. I'll send you his YouTube. If you guys want to see it, his stuff is so good. And the way he explains awesome. it and he's funny. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah, yeah no, really like, funny. You remember, wanna... you remember that? You remember the guy? Uh, uh, you suck at Photoshop. Guy? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy's really funny. Yeah, hey yeah. guys, we got to wrap it up because I got to get get going. Unfortunately, if that's no okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Okay, but Eric, we will continue this at some point. 
But you guys feel good. I feel good that we've solved most of our technical issues, except Throne dropped off a few times, but I think it's all recovered. So we're good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what's, it may just be a, I have a little fight going on between my headphones and my audio card. That's okay. We'll figure it out. But everything else seems great. And you guys are not delaying for me. Yeah. Nor nor are you cubist, which is nice. Nice. (laughs) You are not. You still keep your video on. I'm just a map. That's what it looks like. Well, he doesn't have a camera on his phone, on his computer. I have one ordered at Amazon. At some point in the next three months, I will. Are you serious? I'm serious. Clicked on it. (laughs) No, but are you serious? Because it takes forever for cameras to come out right now because everyone has. Oh, no, because the only reason I ordered on Amazon is because I went to four different places, Best Buy, et cetera, et cetera, and nobody had them. They were all sold out. Do you have uh, a, uh, a camera camera, like a, like a, a video camera? What you can get is you can get a uh, uh, what's called a USB capture card, and it, all it does is a USB, and then it has an HDMI on the other side. Oh, it goes right into the into and the, uh, uh, and it'll it'll come across as a web camera on your on. Oh, your, right on. Yeah, I got a yeah. I got a Panasonic um, uh, GH5. Right, and so the USB capture card you can get those like there's some that are available for like twenty bucks, dude. Oh, I like that. That's all you right. got to do is plug in the USB yeah. and then your HDMI. You have an HDMI cable that runs to your Panasonic got it, and then got that's it. your webcam. And it's like a way better webcam. That's what all these YouTubers are using. They're not using webcams. They're yeah, using- no, the yeah. GH5 is actually the preferred it one. Is, now, at least, it's yeah, really it's, good. You could probably gorgeous. just use you that. You should look that up. Go to Amazon, look up USB capture cards. And apparently some of the, the, you know, some of the cheaper ones are not bad at all because you're normally a USB capture card is like 50, 60 bucks, but uh-huh. you can get some like for 20 bucks that are just as good. Yeah, I might have to look into that. So the next time you see me, it's going to be like Guys, it's going to look like it's out of Lawrence Arabia. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I know you do it um, uh, like like sixteen nine. Yeah, yeah. Ian, yeah. the guy's <laughs> name that I was telling you about is Ian Hubert. Ian oh, Hubert. yes, yes. He d- he does it out of his house, and he does all these short films and all that stuff. Yes, I do know who that guy is. So good. Yeah, he's really good and he very is- entertaining. Very entertaining. He's Love done it. some really great. You yeah. did it. And he's not even a VFX artist. Really? No, he's just a filmmaker that learned. Dan, you would yeah. get yeah, this. Yeah, baby. I, I, I love I might... it. Have you seen him? No, no, I like what you're saying, though. Well, Sounds we'll good. Look it up. Ian and then H U B E R T. You totally dig it for your work. Yeah, oh, he's the it. kind of guy's like, I got to figure out how to do this. I'm just going to do it. In that's blender. right. I'm going to track it here. <laughs> he okay, tracks that's in, my mindset, baby. That's, tra- right. that's why I'm learning it. Blender at all. <laughs> I'm just that's like, right. I need a thing to do. Yeah, that's it. it. He shoots it, and then he does all the comp and green screen and tracking in Blender and puts it right in. Yeah. That's great. I love it. That's beautiful. Yep. Totally up your alley. I love it. I'm in. All right, guys. You guys ready to do this? We can, we can do, actually do a proper drink talk drink without, uh, without how, delay, I'm hoping. Uh, how long was it? About three hours. Pretty good. Pretty good. It's a good rich dip. I liked it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Good film suggestion. Good film suggestion. Thanks Thank very much. Time. Thanks yeah. very much. That was fun. So who's, choi- who's, the, who's the next choice? You. Me. Oh, it is me. Okay. Yep. yep. That's me. All right. And then I'll, we're all, just so you know, we're all set up for time travel. Oh, good. Yes. Thanks. So. Yes. You together. don't need any more... I, images you me. never sent me something so i just but you, i saw all the pictures you sent me that i was supposed to send them to you and it's like oh you've already done them all well the i that. i was waiting but if you send them to me or do any okay i'll i'll look at that but yeah it looks like, great i love them i've been slammed with some big thing i've been working on 
<laughs> so I just didn't get around to it, but I'll. No, no, we're good yeah. then. Then okay. we'll just, I'll send you guys photos for uh, the Jesse James. That's the big one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think we have enough for uh, time travel. Yeah. I might yeah, do a couple plenty, more. Plenty. Yeah. Other Don't than sweat. that, I think they're okay, yeah. but I we're pushed them out in a day. I was like, They're yeah. great. They're great. Um, I, I, in particular, I like the ending of Peggy's Who Got Married, where I'm one of the Lodge members. That was my favorite one. I think so we're all Lodge that. members. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually like, really liked, I really liked uh, you carrying the dog in front of this lawn It's pretty good, scene. too. That yeah, the lawn and then us dancing or singing. Yep. That That's singing right. in the band was really good. Yeah, well. I, I yeah. might change some of the gamma on stuff, but other than that, it's it's ready to go. But the good one, the real kick-ass one I have planned is the uh, the Jesse James. I cannot wait. Because we're going to put you guys in the old comic work. books. Yeah, yeah, now we're talking. Like the old comics that they had, the story <laughs> adventures. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of <laughs> cool good. stuff, but so there'll be some ass. You have to take photos and do it on this. Okay, one. okay, I yep. promise, I promise, I promise. And yep. I'll send it to you by uh, Tuesday. All right, okay. looking Just forward so to we're it. Ahead of the game, we Beautiful. are plenty ahead of the game at this point. We should be plenty. No, I look forward think, to the. Uh, yeah, we should be good. Eric good. will be good. I'll go through the schedule. Though, oh yeah, because sure. we did close encounters. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we're, we we're still set. Have, close encounters isn't up next, so we still got plenty of time. We're in good shape. We're in good shape. I already did close encounters. Yeah, I know. You're you're way ahead of everyone else. <laughs> it's true. You're way ahead. So we're good. This one's going to be a hard one to do, though. Okay. Meaning right. I'm not going to put you in the chair, in, in the bed. <laughs> okay. Do you know what I mean? I can probably, make you probably, that douchebag yeah, doctor. Taste, tastefully. <laughs> we should I'll make Craig the douchebag doctor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Skiing in the Alps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, All right. Guys, that was fun. Be safe. When are we doing this again? You'll tell me. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Okey doke. All right. Ready? Drink. Talk. Drink. Drink.